four. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, a pretty nice heavy company. Welcome to Tuesday morning in London town. Oh, God, it just gets worse, doesn't it? Rolf Harris, Rolf Harris, Rolf Harris. I thought there was something going to go massively awry with this one when the jury couldn't make a decision. You think, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, this is not looking promising at all. And there it is, your entire childhood wiped out in, uh, in a huge court case. And uh, more cases to be heard, I expect. He will die in prison, there's no doubt in my mind. You know the person I feel sorry for? The wife. Because she's got to live with that for the rest of what years she has remaining. That's my husband, the serial sex predator. Kind of ruins it, doesn't it, really? Uh, Mick Jagger's laid into the Python team. I don't know, I'm not sure where I stand on that one. Oh, and Danielle Lineker. Who? Who? Six death of third rate uh, Z-list celebrities. Who is she? She turned up to uh, some uh, party they had to sort of celebrate the best of Britain. Danielle Lineker. Been round the block about five times, hasn't she? Only claim to fame, married to Carrie Lineker. Where's he? On a beach with his friends sunning himself. Nothing worse than old men sunning themselves on beaches. And uh, poor old Dolly Parton, after all the rumpus yesterday over was she singing live or was she Memorex? If you watch it back carefully, you'll see there are obviously certain bits which is mimed and certain bits which aren't. Although an issue with a sound engineer, you're never likely to know because it's an act she's honed and she's honed it very, very well indeed. Very, very well indeed. And yet still people are asking, is she gay? Is she gay? She has a friend called Judy. Judy's her personal assistant, and Judy travels with her. The husband doesn't, because apparently he doesn't like flying. And uh, he's only been seen four times in 50 years. They've only been photographed four times. And uh, he apparently, once a year, goes to Dollywood, and he buys a ticket, and he wanders around. Because nobody knows who he is. But she's been married to him for 50 years. What sort of marriage it is, is is cause of much speculation in the papers. Is she a secret lesbian? Does she come from a time where, you know, because there are now sort of lesbians who sort of happily come out and start flag-waving and everything else, but Dolly Parton comes from a time where you didn't talk about things like that. That sort of thing was not talked about years and years ago. Sometimes you used to get, and I, I know a case, because it came out in a book, ironically, and it was of two guys who lived together in a village, I think in Amersham, and, um, and people thought they were brothers, in fact, they weren't. They were actually uh, two gay guys who didn't come out because it wasn't done in those days. You used to get lots of women who lived together and they'd say they were sisters because it made it a lot easier. Dolly Partner said she sleeps in the same bed as Judy, but she said, we're just friends. She said, everybody deserves to have a friend that they've known since third grade. Don't ask me to do the jokes, but I'm sure there's a few hanging around there somewhere. But, it, I mean, I've got best friends as well. I don't think they would really want to climb into bed with me. I re- you know, unless we did top and toe. I don't know. I mean, pff, I don't know. James, how do you feel about that? You all right with that? Is that OK? I mean, is that, is that sort of an acceptable kind of thing? Do people sleep together if they're kind of... Fr- I don't know, really. I'm, I'd not be comfy. You know, when, when you used to do it when you were kids, you'd put your arm down the middle of the bed and go, OK, this is my space, this side. Cross that and you're dead. You know, and then all of a sudden you'd feel something poking in your back, wouldn't you? Halfway through the night. And you'd sort of think to yourself, take your hand out, take your hand out now. I suppose it's all right as kids, but you don't do it as adults. But she's got a best friend. What's the matter with having a best friend? I mean, I've got best friends. I don't really want to sleep with them, thank you very much indeed. (laughs) They they quite clearly don't want to sleep with me either. Mick Jagger's laid into the Monty Python team. He's going, who wants to see a bunch of 70-year-olds? And I'm thinking, well, that's what you are, mate. That's what you are, and yet still people want to see you. Still people want to see you, and they go out. So, I mean, they haven't sold out. I'm quite happy to point out to you that the Monty Python shows have not sold out. 
and, and I know this, Carol Cleveland told me exactly the same. What, what happens is, Ollie sort of nearly got it right. It wasn't the touts that buy the tickets, it's the ticket agencies. So the ticket agency will think, right, is Monty Python going to sell out? All right, I'll buy a thousand. So they buy a thousand, then the ticket agencies up north, they've got coach trips and all the rest of it, they've then got to sell them. If they don't sell them, they're stuck with a load of seats and there'll be empty seats in the house. There will be empty seats in the house tonight, either because people can't go or because they haven't managed to shift them. So no such thing as a sold-out show. You can always get always get tickets for a show. You can always get a seat somewhere. So when they say on the front of the... I think it's on the front of the uh, Metro, extra seats... Released 15th of they, they haven't released any extra seats. It's just the seats that they haven't sold so far. So it's a way of saying, listen, there are, there are seats there. So you can get seats if you want to go and see them. I predict it'll be out on DVD. They're bound to do DVD, aren't they? I mean, that's what everybody does nowadays. And Ollie was quite right when he was talking about um, when, when people go to see these comedians and they're in huge stadiums. I mean, why would you want... I went to see Tina Turner. Um, when she was at Wembley, and we had £300 seats, and we were sitting at the side. These, these were considered good seats, £300, because I couldn't stand, not at my age. And so we sat in the seats, we watched it. She's so tiny on the stage, we watched the screens. We went to Earl's Court when David Copperfield was over, and we were sitting in front of the Geldofs. They were a bit noisy. And, uh, and so we were watching that. But we ended up, because, you know, if somebody's doing a card trick... About, you know, five miles away from you. You've got to watch it on the big screen. So that's what... Might as well have stayed at home. Well, it's so much easier. Apparently the last day of the Monty Python date is showing him more than 2,000 cinemas worldwide. All right, is that going to be... Is that live or is that... Really? Oh, God, how, how frightening. Live streaming, ladies. Talking of live streaming, Nick Ferrari's going to be streamed. Well, he is if they drop him. Uh, into the Thames. One of my better links, I think. I wish this... You know, this programme would be funnier if it was scripted. But it's not. And so he's doing a show on the Emirates Airline cable car. Oh, my God. I felt quite ill this morning, actually. I had last night, don't ask me why, I had a craving for mushrooms. But I think I must have eaten too many. Or I must have eaten too much of the dirt on them, because I didn't bother washing them. I don't bother washing mushrooms. I can't really be bothered. Listen, it's good enough for everybody else. Why not good enough for me? And so I bought myself some chicken and rice soup from Marks and Spencer's, poured it into a frying pan, and added a whole tub of mushrooms. Halfway through, I felt amazingly sick. I mean, amazingly sick. I mean, really sick. And uh, so I thought, I don't think we'll be eating any more of this. So we kind of left that to one side. And um, and then this morning I came in here and I half started eating a sandwich. And I thought, oh, my God. You know when you think, oh, dear, I don't feel very well at all. I had visions of phoning up to Ollie and going, you might have to stay on and do the programme because I don't feel very well. And I sort of stumbled down to the kitchen, realised I didn't have a pass around my neck, so I couldn't actually get out into the corridor and just drank copious amounts of water. Felt a little bit better about life. So if all of a sudden I depart from you this morning, you'll know what it is. It'll be the mushrooms making a reappearance. Uh, the cream of British talent turned up at Downing Street. And there were, there were lots of famous people there. There were Catherine Jenkins and Michael McIntyre. I mean, loads of, uh, of really, really sort of great people. And then Danielle Lineker. And I can't quite get to grips with... I mean, who, who is she? She's nobody. She's absolutely nobody. She's Gary Lineker's wife, and that's it. And they say here, model... Da- when was the last time she modelled anything? Who was ever asked to model? Is that what they sort of put down for somebody who doesn't actually do anything? I mean, they had, you know, Bruce Forsyth, and uh, she went to the Foreign Office. I and mean, Danielle Lineker, do you think they went through a list and went, um, oh, she was pictured with Piers Morgan. I'll oh, put Danielle Lineker down. So I was like, Danielle Lineker? What, because she's married to him? She's, she's already been married once before, hasn't she? I'd say she has been around the block. Helena Bonham Carter, you can understand. Catherine Jenkins, Tess Daly. Tess Daly. 
claim to fame the co-host of Strictly Come Dancing and married to that plank Vernon Kay. Man who's never had a show that's rated. I did laugh, though. I did laugh. I wonder if I can find it in time for you this morning before we go to the break at uh, quarter past. It was a story of um, Jason Manford. Now, I was offered Jason Manford as a guest a while ago. You know, what, what they do is, at the beginning of each month, they, they sort of give you a list of all the people who are available. And uh, so I sort of tick off various people, and some people I go, you must be joking. And Jason Manford, then it came back, uh, Jason Manford didn't want to be interviewed by me because uh, he'd heard that I'd slagged him off on the programme. You know, what I'd done is I'd repeated the fact that he was a dirty, dirty boy on the, on the Twitter, and uh, I didn't, didn't make anything up. I didn't make judgment, I just said... Dirty, dirty boy. And, uh, and he didn't do it once, he did it a couple of times. And so for that reason, he didn't want to come in for an interview. I thought, well, I mean, you know, you're lost, I'm not particularly bothered. Couldn't care less either way, actually. It makes no difference at all to me. So I was quite interested when I picked up the paper this morning and discovered a TV critic, Ian Highland, had been on the rough end of Jason as well. He says, it's only fair that I register Jason Manford's complaint about last week's review of a question of sport, Super Saturday. In particular, he chastised me for poking fun at him, asking women to show him their boobs on social media because it was a four-year-old story. Fair enough then, Jace. No hard feelings, eh? To make amends, I'll even quote one of your gags from Saturday's edition of A Question of Sport, Super Saturday. It hasn't been this hard to name that tune since Jedward were on X Factor. That was it. That's what he used. Footnote. Jedward were on X Factor in 2009. I make that five years ago. Yes, nothing worse than dreary old tart Jason Manford throwing his toys out of the pram and stamping his little foot. Oh, it just makes me sick, Jason. It really does. I don't know. What's the matter with you coming up with these old gags? Actually, I turned on eight out of ten cats and there were Jedward. They're not all there, are they, in the upstairs department? They are a bit simple. And I think they were on there for people to poke fun at, but they don't realise the irony of it. At one point, I think one of the comedians said, do you know where babies come from? And Jedward went, we, uh, we, we didn't do that, that class at school. And then one of the other comedians went, I don't think you did many classes at school, did you? They are unbelievably stupid. But not just stupid, they need, they're obviously a bit hyperactive. Perhaps they shouldn't be given orange juice or something. I don't know. We found another woman here. Uh, well, I say we found quite a number of women in the papers, but this one in particular is desperate, and she is saying her life is ruined. Why? She's got big bosoms. And, uh, well, as I say, I mean, I know a few people around, around this building and quite like to have big bosoms. In fact, uh, you know, quite a number of people have got big bosoms. Anyway, she doesn't want them. She wants them reduced on the NHS, and the NHS have said, yeah, pfft, off. Not remotely interested. We don't do cosmetic surgery, love. Why don't you save up for it like everybody else? But, uh, Kim Mills suffers from arthritis of the spine because of the huge weight of her boobs. So she said, doctors, I want them reduced. And uh, they said, well, you better lose some weight. So she's lost five stone. She's still got huge boobs, so just a five stone lighter, but still got the big boobs. She says, my family life is being destroyed by my breasts. Well, I can imagine it, dear. I can well imagine. Standing up must be a problem. Bending over must be a problem in case you can't stand up again. And sitting down. And uh, she says, uh, I can't look after my youngest daughter. I can't even bend over. And so they've... Um, They've got various pictures of her with her with her daughter. And all you think to yourself is, I tell you what, lovey, why don't you save up? Why don't you borrow the money? Why do, why should, I'm not, I don't want to fund your breast reduction. It's on the NHS. It's for important people, not for silly little people like you. It was bad enough when we pandered to Josie Cunningham, one of the world's ugliest women. You know, I mean, I don't like to be rude about it, but dear God in heaven, I mean, I've seen better-looking drag. In fact, I know better-looking drag than Josie Cunningham. And they look at this other woman, and she says... And all she's do- she moans about the NHS. Moans, moans. It's for important things, dear. The fact that, you know, your breasts are too large. There are, my Auntie Enid's are carried around in wheelbarrows. 
She's got twin wheelbarrows now. She pushes them around because she's elderly. You know, yours are no doubt going to get... Save up and have it done. They don't do cosmetic surgery on the NHS unless it's absolutely necessary. And, uh, I mean, you know, this, this woman here, uh, she said, I sympathise with, uh, with Audrey Davis. Audrey Davis is 81. She's been refused breast reduction surgery despite being in constant pain. She's got 48 double D. Um, and she said, I'm, I feel sorry for her. But the NHS Trust have said we do not fund cosmetic surgery. We don't do it. You know, I mean, Josie Cunningham, lying little old toe rag, has managed to convince everybody she can't do this, can't get on a bus, can't do anything. And then you look at White D, and White D's in the papers today, having a go at Josie Cunningham. Josie Cunningham, so far, sponge, sorry, taken, sorry, uh, been given £14,800. White D, about uh, £100,000. She doesn't work for five years. You look at the size of it, I'm not surprised you're fat, love. Why don't you get off your bum, get out there and do something, and at least because I really, really do not want to fund you not working for the rest of your life. It's the kind of thing we all dream of. But frankly, I look at you and I can only think, because you're hugely overweight, you ain't going to live too long. Because unfortunately, if you are of the bigger size than I am of the bigger size, it's a strain on your heart, it's a strain on all sorts of things. Quite clearly, she eats a lot of chips. She don't look like she eats salad to me. You know, you look at her and you think, no, 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 you're a chip girl, aren't you? In fact, you look like you've eaten the entire blooming shop. Tells. It's the first uh, anniversary of Ask Boris. So, Nick Ferrari and the Mayor of London uh, will be taking to the skies for uh, an extra special show on the Emirates Airline Cable Car. They're going to be three. Now, I don't know anything about it. I know what it is, but somebody might have to enlighten me. How long does it take to get from one side to the other? And if they're doing the whole programme, they just get to one end and then it goes round and off they go back again. How many people can you get in the cable car? And how much does it cost? I have to work out whether or not this is sort of cost-effective to actually send Nick up there. So they're going to be doing Ask Boris 300 feet up in the air. I mean, it's going to be bizarre, isn't it? Very bizarre. I'd quite like to see that in picture form. So how long does it take? They're now, they're now trying to find out how long the journey is. It's... I mean, I thought 40 minutes, but it can't be 40 minutes, can it, from one side to the other? That'd be ridiculous. Unless they drag them through the water and underneath it. But the very... I mean, I can't even work out the technology on this one. It has defeated me completely, I'm afraid. Uh, plus all the latest on the conviction of Rolf Harris. Guilty. Guilty. On 12 counts, he'll face years in prison. He quite clearly had two personalities. There was uh, the personality that we saw on the television, and then there was the personality that led him to abuse. He even stalked Broadmoor with Jimmy Savile. But, uh, which is surprising, because I didn't think that people who were interested in that kind of thing hung around together. I just assumed they would all be sort of doing it by themselves. Um, and so there's Rolf Harris. I mean, a career now completely destroyed. Uh, his pictures will be taken down everywhere. I feel sorry for the wife and I feel sorry for the family because they have to live with it. And it makes you wonder, doesn't it? I mean, you know, were people aware of this? I mean, all these are historical. Very. I mean, he's 84 now. They're historical. It was a long, long time ago. But, you know, if it's somebody who abuses children, then they abuse children. I couldn't really give a forex whether it's Rolf Harris or whether it's the Pope. I mean, I, I just, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Perhaps the Pope was a bad analogy, but it doesn't matter who it is. It's the person, isn't it? And it only goes to prove that these, these people who get convicted of these crimes are just ordinary people. The fact that you know who they are is that there might be loads of other paedophiles in court at the moment who you won't know about. But you know about Rolf Harris and you know about all the other people who've been arrested and charged because they're public figures. They are people for whom you go, that's Rolf. I know Rolf Harris. I grew up with Rolf Harris. I have to be honest that even though people used to talk about Jimmy Savile 
and there were lots of jokes made without actually realising the implication of exactly what he'd done. In the case of Rolf Harris, when, the fir- when that first came out, somebody said to me in the business, they said, oh, we've known about that for ages. And I said, well, I've been in the business for ages and I'd never heard of that. Never heard of that. And then I, I bumped into um, a girlfriend of mine who used to work for a magazine and she said, oh, he was always touching. I said, really? Now, I know another celebrity who exact, did exactly the same thing. He's dead. He's dead now, so I, I don't, don't really want to mention it, but he was very well known for doing the same thing. It's the... Now, whether or not they use their fame and whether or not they use, you know, the fact that they're very well known to get at people, I don't know, or whether or not people are attracted to them. We know people are attracted to celebrities... Because you've only got to go to concerts. I remember the One Direction concerts and the Bross concerts where the fans, the girls, some of whom as young as 12, were holding up signs with show us your... and things like that. And you think to yourself, so, you know, when Tom Jones pulls in Vegas, I'm sure he still does, but in the early days, he used to invite girls back to his dressing room because they were groupies. You know, to, I mean, that was, that was one up with all the other groupies, wasn't it? If you're a fan of just supposing, I don't know, just say it was Bross... And you get singled out at the concert and uh, a, a flunky comes down and goes, listen, would you like to come backstage and meet the boys? Yeah. They're like a shot because that's one up on all your friends. And it then depends how far it goes, doesn't it? Because I think some people read into the wrong signs. They think that if somebody likes you, then they want to sleep with you, which isn't necessarily the case. In, you know, in the Rolf and Jimmy Savile and lots of other people, it was groping. It was groping. Now, we've all been in a situation where you've had a few sherbets. And we've all had a fumble. Some of us have been very unsuccessful and some people have been very successful. Paul James went out the other day, 20,000 people, and not, not so much as a snog. Not so much as a snog. <laughs> That's what makes me laugh, actually, just thinking about it. 20,000 people on Pride and he doesn't get a look in, bless his heart, but never mind. <laughs> never mind. Uh, the cable car is £4.40 a single fare. They've got change. And it takes five minutes. So, in other words, they could travel 18 times in each direction. Boris will be going, we're going around again. Oh, God, we're going around again. Uh, they, they lurch. And this thing swings. So, in fact, it could cost £158. I hope it's worth it. I hope it's worth it. And Nick, no, not only is he swinging around in it, but Nick Ferrari's swinging. How many, how many people can you, can you get in a car? Is it, is it two people or four people? I don't know how big the car's. If it's only two people, it's going to be a bit of a squash, isn't it? Nick will have to have the sound engineer sitting on his lap. Can't wait for that. How this one's going to work technically, I've got no idea. I'm sure that they have worked out the logistics. There are cleverer people than I in this building. Much cleverer people than I. Uh, who followed me this morning on Twitter? Oh, um, uh, Lee Baldry followed me on Twitter this morning. He's got a half-naked picture of himself on his Twitter page. <laughs> Something I shall never be doing with my Twitter page, let me tell you. I'm not that sort of... Maximum people at any one time is ten. Oh, right. And is this, but by ten people, is it, I mean, put it this way, I don't want to be rude, Ferrari plus Boris has got to be five. It can't be two, I mean, good grief, it can't be. So, in other words, because otherwise they get in and the car gets lower and lower and lower, until you're gradually scraping your bum along the water of the Thames. I, mean, like, I could just see that happening. And then, of course, with all the electrical equipment in there, there could be a, there could be a flash, and they could disappear beneath the waves. You must listen to The Breakfast Show this morning. <laughs> you must listen to The Breakfast Show. Oh, dear. Fiona Bruce has revealed she likes a cocktail before presenting the BBC's 10 o'clock news. She slips out for a drink between evening bulletins. She says, but I only ever have the one. That's how it always starts, Fiona. I'll just have the one. The one bottle. 
And then it goes on. I mean, does it make it go better? I used to work with a presenter years ago. Sadly, not with us anymore, bless his heart, Adrian Love. And uh, he did do a few programmes well gone. I mean, absolutely stocious he was. He could have about six double vodkas before he went on air. Sometimes he sounded better with the six double vodkas. <laughs> I worked with him on numerous, numerous occasions. I've never worked with the Roonies. Wouldn't particularly want to, actually. I've got nothing in common with Chavs. And so she blasted Colleen. <laughs> she blasted British Airways, claiming her holiday bags were ransacked before they arrived two days late. Minor designer gear worth thousands. Oh, that'll be an insurance claim. Oh, you don't upset Colleen Rooney. She knows people. She knows a, a lot of people. She hit out whilst on a break in Las Vegas. That'll be the about 1500 break this year, I should imagine. Uh, apparently, Steve, says Phil, it takes five minutes to travel on the cable car, but during the day they slow it down to ten minutes so you can see the sights. Yeah, because you're only going from one side to the other, aren't they? So, in other words, all right, we might have to halve how long it takes. But either way, they're going to be getting to one end. Now, I don't know if it comes to the other end and it's like the London Eye. It doesn't stop. They just open the doors and you walk out because it's going so slowly. Whether or not the cable car just goes round and either you can get yourself out. They're never going to get Ferrari and Boris out, are they? I mean, it's just not going to happen. They're going to have to sort of coat them in margarine and then the door and they get pushed them quickly and they just have to shoot out the door together with all the other people. Otherwise, off they go again. Uh, Steve, Jason Manford is about as funny as toothache. He's an irritant, not a comedian. Oh, I thought he was actually quite funny, but he's, but he's like a lot of those comedians. He hasn't actually got a sense of humour. You know, when he was asking the girls to show them their, their, their boobies. I mean, I quite understand that's what some people like. But if you're a famous person, if you're Jason Manford or if you're any of these people, you can't do it. You can't do it. You have to be like a children's presenter. You don't... You don't have anything like that. You know, you don't, you don't do things like that. Unfortunately, he did. And uh, it cost him the job on the one show. I mean, what an idiot. What an idiot. You know, then, but I've always said, you know what people do now? They link themselves to charity and that takes away anything. They can go, oh, well, so-and-so wouldn't do that. They do charitable things. That's why I was talking to somebody from one of the big national papers the other day. And I said, why was Savile never done? I'd heard, I said, back in the early days of Fleet Street, they never touched him because of his links to the royal family. And somebody said, yeah, and the fact he was very litigious, he would have sued left, right and centre. But of course, what's, what's a shame is that Savile's dead and uh, we can't see him being dragged into court every day because with 440 cases, I mean, it's like being a serial murderer, isn't it? It's just absolutely unbelievable. Rolf Harris, they've got 12, found guilty on 12 charges. Took them more than a week to come up with that. You know, he was one of the biggest stars in this country. A musician, a painter, a joker, a royal portrait artist, national treasure, um... Everything. Oh, and paedophiles. Sorry, I forgot to mention that one as well. And and you just think, but, you know, how does it happen? How does it ever start like that? You know, somebody's got children and he's got a family to think of and he was doing it for ages and ages and nobody said anything. Nobody nobody bothered. Apparently in the case of case of Jimmy Savage, said, oh, that's just Jimmy being Jimmy. And he went, really? I've read the Broadmoor report, but not from cover to cover. And not, you know, absolutely word for word, but I've got the gist of what was going on down there. Dear God, it doesn't even doesn't even bear thinking about, I'm afraid. It really doesn't. Uh, quick time check for you. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to, uh, to five. Harry says, my dad listens to you every morning. His name is Greg Sparks. So there you go. Somebody who listens every morning. I listen every morning to this programme. Uncanny, isn't it? I'm always here listening to the programme. Uh, over in uh, Sao Paulo, only midnight there for Canon John Devo. 
I probably mispronounced that completely, I'm afraid. And poor Chris McKinney, while he was asleep, his kids drew all over his face. It's the trouble with kids, you know, just give them back. Just get rid of them immediately. Shove them up chimneys. Makes it so much easier, doesn't it? Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, Suarez has apologised, hasn't he? And was I right that the uh, the police are investigating after that horrendous rape in Slough? They were looking for five, four Asian men and uh, a car. And I said it wouldn't take uh, too long to find them. A car like that in Slough, they stick out like a sore thumb. And with enough CCTV cameras down there, they get them. They get them. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Um... I hope for their sakes, Nick and Boris sit opposite each other. Yes, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I, I can't imagine what the logistics are like, but presumably there will be photographs of Nick and Boris and the team sitting in the car. Sounds hilarious. Uh, Dorman Dom says, being a Dorman, I've been very successful when it comes to the ladies. Yeah, you see, that's... I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, I reckon, you know, in years to come, it'll be DJs who get hauled into court. Because DJs, by the very fact that they are celebrity DJs, you go to nightclubs now, who do people clamour around? The DJ. You know, they'll, they'll hang around anybody. Dorman were very popular. Very, very popular, because they could get the girls into the nightclubs. I mean, I could tell you horrendous stories of Dorman over the years. Absolutely horrendous stories, which you wouldn't even believe... Uh, the more you read about um, uh, Rolf Harris, the more you sort of, you just despair, really. You just absolutely despair. Pounced on daughter's best friend, aged just 13. And uh, there's somebody here who's interviewing him, and he's, he tried it on. But I would think he's probably like a lot of other people in, in show business. It's because people pander to you. People literally throw themselves I say at you, referring that I'm a celebrity myself, which I'm not. But there are, you know, people would be fascinated. I mean, I've got people who follow me because I'm on the radio. It's only because I'm on the radio every morning. In the same way that, you know, probably bus drivers get, you know, people who take the same route every night. They go, hi. And eventually you strike up some sort of relationship. People who run pubs. You know, anybody who, who, who does something where it means you're a little bit more famous. It could be, a, it could be the mayor of a town. It could be a, could be a police officer. It could be anybody at all. Couldn't it? It could be just anybody now. If you've if you've got the word famous or celebrity or interested, you know, above look at all the girls who go to the nightclubs where the footballers go, so that they can be invited into the VIP area and drink, you know, Mum Cordon Rouge or whatever it is that they're drinking nowadays in the clubs, or you know, vintage champagne, or they're drinking vodka. They want to be invited in. Unfortunately, there's a price to pay. Ain't nobody going to invite you into a VIP area for no reason whatsoever. They're going to be there for a particular reason. And the reason is they're looking for somebody to pull for the night. That's what it's all... It all hinges on that, doesn't it? It all hinges on sex. I don't care where you are. It all hinges on sex. That's what it comes down to. If people are going out to nightclubs, they're not going there just to dance around like ninnies. They're going in there to hopefully meet somebody. If it's a nightclub that's got famous people in it, oh, blimey. Mind you, of course, I've given up going to nightclubs. No, nobody bothered with me in nightclubs anyway, so it didn't make any difference. But it's but the saddest thing is the uh, the two women he betrayed the most. That was his his wife and daughter, you know, Alwyn and uh, and Bindi as well. And he's let them down. But quite clearly, he he probably didn't care about that. He probably didn't care about you know why he'd actually sort of done it. He probably didn't even think about it. He probably never thought that it would ever come back to haunt him. You know. Uh, 84850, steve at Somebody said, a crafty cigarette out a crafty cigarette outside a pub in Hammersmith on Sunday night. Guilty? 
I don't think so. Why would I be in Hammersmith? And I don't smoke anyway, so it wouldn't make any difference. And I certainly wouldn't drive anywhere on Sunday night. Definitely not. No, absolutely not. No. Heavens above, I'm in bed at six o'clock. Why would I be on a Sunday, outside a pub on Sunday night? No, 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 no. And, uh, and smoking. Ugh, disgusting habit. Certainly wouldn't do that, I'm afraid. I wouldn't do that. But there you go. Stalker. And uh, so, we had the pictures the other day. I had to laugh. I had to laugh. I looked at the picture. What was Cliff Richard wearing at Wimbledon? Does he not wear the campest outfit? I mean, I don't want to be rude, but, you know, if ever a man didn't want people to sort of start thinking, because, I mean, over the years, this has dogged Cliff Richard like there's no tomorrow. Everybody goes, oh, so he's not married yet. And so they start going, oh, he must be gay. And then he started making little sort of asides about it. And then somebody else said, oh, no. Then I think at one time, he was, I remember seeing him being interviewed on a television programme. Paul Soldi's had this for so many years now. It's kind of water off a duck's back. I mean, if he turned out to be gay, I think people would be going, oh, for goodness sake, shut up about it. Nobody cares. And he was being interviewed and he just said, you know, because I'm Christian, that's why he hadn't married. But I know loads of married Christians. I didn't actually see that as an excuse. And he does have lots and lots of gay friends. Doesn't make him gay. But when he turns up in some of these outfits, you think somebody needs to advise him on what you're wearing. Maybe something a little butcher. You know, like he's 70, isn't he, I think, now. But even even the papers have gone, what is he wearing? What's he wearing? It's like a stripy suit. It just looks somewhat odd. Mind you, he didn't sing. <laughs> Thank the Lord for that. Because he sometimes sings, doesn't he, if it rains. I think people go there hoping he might be able to, to sing. Uh, Ilya Nastasi turned up. I don't know what he was wearing either. I lose, I lose track of people. And I'm not that bothered, I'm afraid, about, uh, about Wimbledon. I'm not that bothered about football. Tiddlywinks I'm fairly, uh, fairly up to, uh, to speed with. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Morning, Duppy. Back in the fold again. I feel very sorry for the families of the abducted Israeli teens. Uh, three missing Israeli teenagers found shot in the West Bank last night, sparking fears of fresh violence. Two of them were 16 and one was 19. They were travelling home from their religious schools when they disappeared and then they were found shot dead. I mean, it's, they, they were hitchhiking in the West Bank two weeks ago. I mean, how anybody can ever kill a child is... You know, sometimes you hold your hands up. And, uh, and you read about the things that ISIS get up to and you read about, you know, the, uh, the people over the years and you just think to yourself, I don't know how people could ever do that. I really, I just don't understand. Can't quite get my head around it. Perhaps after a while you become numb to it. It's like soldiers killing in the war, isn't it? It's like soldiers who are, who are sort of, it's either a case of kill or be killed. What else do they do? What else do they do? But you look at people being abducted on the streets nowadays. There was somebody the other day, wasn't there? I think they, the police were looking for some, uh, some man was just abducted off the street. You've got no idea. You've got no idea, you know, where these people vanished to. And then you get the 17-year-old girl in Slough who, was, who went to a pub. No, she didn't. She went to an off-licence. She goes to an off-licence. So she meets some perfect stranger. And he said, let's go and get some booze. I mean, like, nobody's ever come up to me on the street and said, should we go to the off-licence and go and get some booze and go and walk for a, in the woods? Never happens. And yet this girl went there, and there were four of his friends lying in wait, and they raped her. And it took a long time before they could actually, you know, get some sense out of her because she'd been through a traumatic experience. There was a boy the other day who was, who was in Harleston. His parents uh, run the local Pentecostal church. And for some reason, and they say he didn't appear to be in any gangs or anything like that, and two blokes wearing hoodies chase him down the street. So he runs. He's obviously quite fit. He runs. Unfortunately, they catch him 
and they stab him to death. On a street in Harleston. So he knocks on doors and nobody's, nobody's bothering. You know, they quite clearly know what goes on on the streets of Harleston. And so nobody does it. Eventually he collapses in somebody's front garden and they, people rush out there and try and stem the blood. But he, and the, the two blokes who, who murdered him, I couldn't care less which way you want to look at it, they murdered him on the street in cold blood, just calmly get into a car driven by somebody else and drive off. And he's been stabbed to death so many times and you think, who could ever do Perhaps they mistook him for somebody else. Perhaps they actually... Perhaps they actually sort of thought he was responsible for something, but he's a minister's son. He's an upstanding Christian boy. His parents are coming to terms with it. And you think, this in this day and age, what is it with these bloody gangs that they go around with knives? One of these police programmes the other night, they stopped a kid driving a car, 16, he shouldn't have been driving it anyway, quite clearly a bit of a tow rag. And what did they find on him? A switchblade. A switchblade at 16. I mean, it's quite clearly not sinking in, is it? It's quite clearly not sinking in at all. They're not, they're not getting the, uh, the message through. They have a excuse me, a knife amnesty every so often. And then they're nothing. And then nothing at all. And then the next thing is somebody goes out there and they start producing knives. Because it's a case of, you know, if you're in a confrontation, a knife obviously makes you the upper hand. I find it absolutely appealing. Absolutely appalling. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Junior, thank you very much indeed. Back in remission now. And he sent me in Oh, I went out the other day to buy some shirts. I've got to tell you, because I, I can't be bothered to trek back into Kingston. So I go to one shop in Kingston, and so the assistant comes, like, can I help you? You know, they're always very helpful in shops. I said, OK, I mean, I'm looking for something fairly basic. Short-sleeved, white shirts, please. No button-down collars. Don't do short sleeves. OK, fine. So I walk out. I mean, always, you know, like, pfft, shame on me for asking. So I go to the other shop. And uh, I go, short-sleeved um, shirts? Yes, we only have one here. OK, great. I said, I need size 18 collar. Because if you... I mean, size 18 is actually enough. And so he said, oh, you need uh, extra large. Because they didn't have them in collar sizes for some reason. It's a shirt shop. But they didn't do collar sizes. They were sort of medium, small, medium, large, extra large, XXL. So I bought... He said, I said, size 18. He said, oh, that's XL. So I said, how many have you got? He said, we've got three. I said, I'll take three. He said, well, you get four shirts for 90 quid. So I just picked another one. And uh, so I paid for them. So I thought four for 90. That's OK. I can cope with that. That's not, not going to break the bank. Take him into Thomas, who irons all my shirts for me in the dry cleaners. And uh, I said, they don't quite look big enough. I said, I don't think XL is big enough. I don't know why. I said, in my casual shirts, I do an XXL, which is comfy and room, room to breathe and stuff like that. And so we took one out of the packet and we've measured it. And the collar's 17. So, no bloody use to me at all, I'm afraid. You'd think somebody who works at a shirt shop would know that size 18 is obviously XXL. It's not going to be XL, so I'm now stuck with foot. So what I thought I'd do, being a generous little soul, I'll give them to my brother. He doesn't know it yet, but he's now got three white shirts um, and, uh, and a blue stripy shirt. Lovely, isn't it? Which is great. It's uh, quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Not a lot to say about Rolf Harris, says Noreen. Doubt he will get out of jail. I bet he doesn't. I bet it, not on 12 convictions, on 12 conv- he's he's going to die in prison. I have no doubt of that in my mind. Uh, saw young Pordy on the TV on an item about cheap labour aboard on the news. Yes, this is uh, Pudrake, who's moved on, bless his heart. Weather glorious here, seems it's better than at home. Yesterday was OK, we had a little bit, a little bit of rain, I think. 
a little bit. Where did I risk yesterday? Where did I go and park? I was going to go and park in the John Lewis car park, but you know, in the end, I just put it in a in a car park, and then it rained a little bit. But I didn't worry about that at all. Howard says I'll be firing the water cannon at Nick and Boris during their ride. <laughs> it's not very nice, is it? Be careful. They have real bullets. 84850, Steve, at uk, and we shall weave everything in on the programme. Uh, well, let's get one here. Uh, how can any, says uh, anybody, believe in God when these horrendous killings and rapes take place? I don't... Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it depends what you believe in, doesn't it? I mean, some people like to believe in, you know, all sorts of things, but you have to ask yourself the question, if there is a God... How do people like Rolf Harris survive? If there is a God, how can people get away with killing? And apparently the answer that comes back every time is, it's to test us. Well, I tell you what, go test on somebody else. Go test on somebody else. 84850, steve at uk. I'll tell you what there is a story of, and I must bring it to you a little bit later on. Uh, two stories, actually. Three. There's the, uh, the woman here who took her son out of school to attend her wedding. Uh, on a beach, by the look of it. I mean, you know, she said, oh, I'm prepared... This is the one who said, I'm prepared to go to prison. They said, selfish or a martyr for put-upon parents. She says, I won't pay a fine, and I don't have any regrets. Well, then you're a very stupid parent, aren't you? A very stupid parent. And what a what a terrible example you're setting to your son. She said, he will remember our wedding for years to come. Don't be so stupid, of course he won't. Don't be so silly. How ignorant are some of these people? Fake Manuka honey is on the shelves. Fake Manuka honey. Apparently, dodgy operators are making millions of pounds. It's supposedly uh, coming from New Zealand, uh, but this one, you know, is not. £30 a jar, and uh, they reckon that uh, 1,700 tonnes of manuka are produced annually, whilst around 10,000 tonnes are sold. In other words, there's a lot of fake... And you know what else there is fake doing the rounds? You know what else is doing, doing the fake rounds? Cheese. Fake cheese on pizzas. So if you buy pizza, and they haven't named the shops, which I think is absolutely outrageous, they should really, really be uh, be telling you where these shops are. So you can avoid them, and we close them down. It's as simple as that. Done by local trading standards. They go out there, and they're buying in fake cheese. So in other words, what you're eating on your takeaway pizzas from some of these places, and you know what sort of places they are, you know, where they do ribs and chicken bits, and, you know, and then they do potato wedges, and they also do pizza. Nine out of ten times, they're offering you crap food. You are buying rubbish. Rubbish. You're not going to be getting quality ingredients from some of these places. You know, pizza to go, pizza night, pizza takeaway, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, where you get, you know, a seven-inch pizza plus a free drink. One ninety-nine. You know it's not going to be cheese on it, is it? Not going to be using mozzarella. They're going to be looking for the cheapest ingredients because you're stupid. You'll buy anything you want. You'll buy any of that old rubbish. And then there was the other story about insulin jabs, which they say could do more harm than good for diabetic sufferers over the age of 50. I'm not quite prepared to risk it. Uh, they say uh, they say the treatment can be outweighed by the daily disruption and the side effects that include weight gain. Oh, thank the Lord for that. I knew there was something. Actually, I've always known for years that insulin makes you put on weight. I know that for a fact because uh, lots of people have it. Patients with type 2 diabetes should instead make simple life-changing changes such as exercising and eating healthily. Well, I don't know. I think pizza's quite healthy if you buy it from the right place. Chips are very healthy. Uh, patients with type 1 diabetes, usually diagnosed in childhood, have to take insulin, otherwise their blood sugar would fall dangerously low. Uh, mine doesn't. But, they're, they're, you know, everybody with type 1 diabetes needs to have insulin to stay alive. But for the treatment, they say, at Diabetes UK of type 2, sometimes there's a balance to be struck where certain medications might help give someone a longer life, will also cause side effects that might negatively impact on the quality of life. And that'll be putting on the weight. 
I mean, I've got no idea whether I'm at the end of my life or I'm sort of just coming... I have, seriously, I have no idea at all. Nobody ever tells you. And I've done more sessions with, uh, with doctors and with students and everything else on diabetes. And the one thing they don't tell you is how long you're expected to live. So I don't know at my age whether I've got five years or whether I've got 20 years. I think it's highly unlikely I've got 20 years, put it that way. But, but you do sort of... I don't worry about it. I just think I'd quite like to know. It'll give you a rough idea, you know, am I, am I going to make it to Christmas? You know, would it be worthwhile buying Christmas presents early or should I not bother? And the answer is, we don't know. They cannot tell you. They cannot tell you. Other stories in the papers. Uh, this is uh, a one-eyed horse who has jumped to glory. We always like stories about this. I, I, I like horses, but by God, they're big. They're quite big. They do you immense damage. I don't know if you've ever... I mean, you know, I, I appreci- appreciate that lots of uh, horsey people are probably listening to the programme. And I love horses, but I just don't... Uh, and I used to ride all the time, but at the moment, I'm a bit scared of them. Ever since I read the story of some poor woman who was, um, who was battered by cows in a field. She was crossing a field, and these cows kind of ganged up on her. And they, they weigh a lot, cows. One of those falls on you or pushes you. You haven't got any chance at all. They can crush you to death. They're really strong. And horses are the same. So I'm always very wary of horses. Very, very wary of them. Uh, 84850. David in Enfield says, Tell Nick to be careful today. Ken Livingston, seen in a hardware shop, buying a giant pair of cable bolt cutters. Yes, it'll be... <laughs> Stop the pigeon, won't it? You'd have sort of Nick and Boris in one car and uh, and poor old Ken Livingston, you know, coming up and bringing up the rear, as they say. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I still chuckle, says John, when you told Kay Burley your best sport is naked leapfrog. I know. I know. And is it wrong of me to say, when I saw a picture of people in a mosque, I thought they were getting ready for a game. Is it wrong to say that? That was a comedian used that line on stage. Somebody went, oh, you can't use that line at all. That's really offensive. No, 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 no. People have got a sense of humour now. I don't believe in the fact that nobody's got a sense of humour. You can make jokes about most things. um, Jan says, you should have given the shirts to Duncan Barks. He won't fit into them. Duncan Barks is bigger than I am. You no chance of him fitting into a into an XL. He he he's probably XXL. They do do. I've got a T-shirt upstairs which is triple XL, triple XL, and that that is quite big. Even by my standards, that's quite big. But I, mean, I just looked at these shirts. I thought, no. I tell you what, I'll give them to my brother. He'll appreciate them. He'll think I've bought them for him. He won't know unless anybody tells him. But uh, we'll try and keep it quiet, shall we? So no chance of being able to give them to to Duncan Barks. Do you know what's uh, replacing ice cream at the moment? Frozen yoghurt. Everywhere you go on the high street, frozen. It's quite nice. You got, we've got machine in the bit. Here. Oh, we got, oh, that's that one downstairs, isn't it? Ah, right. It's supposed to be good for you. I had it years ago when I was working out at the Barbican Health and Fitness Club many, many years ago. Uh, don't go there now. But every time we had a workout, we used to have a frozen yoghurt. And then you can have it with different toppings on. People put strawberries on. We've got a frozen yoghurt place in Twickenham. We went to one in Selfridges, Harrods, uh, a couple of months back. It's not cheap. It's not cheap, but sales are up 500%. 500%. And, uh, and, and they say it's good. I mean, there's one here. Sounds delicious. Lick fat-free banana. You say, well, I don't believe it's fat. I don't believe anything that says fat-free. I really don't. I mean, otherwise you could eat it for the rest of your life. But this one, they say, only contains fat-free yoghurt, honey and bananas. Well, the honey is certainly not fat-free. Tastes delicious. Uh, best organic, Yo Family Organic Frozen Strawberry Yoghurt. Oh, that, sound, that sounds quite nice. Best grown-up dessert is M&S Coconut Frozen Yoghurt. Oh, that sounds nice. Not seen that one. A frozen pina colada it tastes like. I bet they haven't got in our Marks and Spencers. That'll be the sort of thing they haven't got in there. 
The best bargain is Tesco frozen yoghurt, peach and apricot with pieces of fruit. Oh, that sounds lovely, doesn't it? Peaches and fruit. Oh, how gorgeous. And um, Sainsbury's cherry frozen yoghurt. Ben and Jerry's fair trade chocolate fudge brownie low-fat frozen yoghurt. What a load of balderdash. How can chocolate fudge brownie be low-fat? Do me a favour, honestly. It's like you go into Starbucks to go, skinny muffin? Yeah. I'm sorry, are there any calories? Um, I don't know. Probably not. They don't know. They've got no idea behind the counter. I like peach and apricot. That sounds lovely. But the coconut frozen yoghurt. That does sound... I used to buy um, um, orange frozen lollies years ago, and they were just juice. I forget what they could have been, just juice lollies. And that's all it was. It was just frozen orange juice. And when we were kids, we used to have an ice lolly kit... And we used to make them, um, we sort of pour it into the thing, you stick it in the fridge, you take it out on a plastic stick, and then the bloody thing falls off it. So you left the stem, mum! And you got half a blooming, half a blooming fruit. But we used to do that all the time, but I used to like jubblies. Remember jubblies? Those sort of, it was like a triangular shaped cardboard box thing, and you broke the top off and you sucked it through that. It's like being a calippo, you know, and trying to get the blooming thing to move up the, 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 the actual cone inside it. Love anything like that, but I've, these ones sound nice. Sainsbury's cherry frozen yogurt. Oh, I could go for some of that quite now, at the moment. Um, but the, the coconut frozen yogurt sounds like the winner. Or peach and apricot, because I like both of those things. I'm not sure I would go for, oh, I don't know, mango swirl. Mango swirl, how about that? So frozen yogurt is definitely the thing that is... Uh, I bought some peanut butter this week. I'm the same, every time I see peanut butter, I get a craving. And it's really bad. And so I end up having three cream crackers, then throwing it away because I feel so guilty about the whole thing. So I'm I'm quite good. I'm I'm quite good now at trying to resist things. Well, I say quite good, quite good, but not all the time, ladies and gentlemen. Not all the time. Uh, other stories. I mean, apart from um, apart from Rolf and uh, Savile stalked Broadmoor together. Uh, Maddie, Met detectives have flown into Portugal. Um, they're not arrests, they're questioning people. The son have got it wrong. They're just questioning people. And the um, officers from here are not being allowed to ask questions. The Portuguese police are asking questions. These people have gone voluntarily to the police station. So we'll wait and see. I'm not expecting anything. I really think we should sort of kind of leave it alone until we've got something a bit more concrete. I don't think at the moment there is anything concrete going on at all here. Um, three uh, England fans are now reportedly facing riot charges over clashes at the Euro 2004 event in Portugal. Lewis Andrews from Oxon, Wayne Finney from Nottinghamshire deny the charges, as does Richard Freeman. He says it's a farce. Can't believe it goes back so far. All these things do. We will get round to uh, to reading Ali Ross's column because I like Annie Ross's uh, Ali Ross's column. Just changed his sex as well. He talks about uh, Sam Smith, and what else does he talk about today? Uh, great TV lies and delusions. Matthew Wright. It's a brilliant comic. Miss Katie Brand. Big brother Kimberly. Helen is a really nice person. And stand by your man, Shanice. I've got to ask, what would you name my boobs? Little and large. Though when you say got to ask, kind of a worry. Have you seen that stand by your man? Oh, biggest part of drivel I've ever seen on the television. I wouldn't even waste your time. You know, in fact, just breathing oxygen would be an awful lot better. Don't ever touch this programme with a barge pole. Plenty more to come on your early breakfast show this morning with Steve Allen before Lisa Aziz takes over at 6.30 with the morning news. Front pages, as you know, dominated by Rolf Harris. 60 years of celebrity ends in shame and more women have come forward. Mick Jagger's laid into the Monty Python team as they prepare to perform together for the first time since 1980. Benefit Street, White D is branded NHS boobop scrounger Josie Cunningham. Absolutely pathetic. 
uh, we think, pots and kettles. I'll tell you about the seaside towns who are dying on their proverbial, plus the first two signings for this year's Celebrity Big Brother are in. All of that and your texts and emails, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Because it is LBC, I am Steve Allen, and it's all next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. It's nice to have a company. Welcome to the programme that everybody wakes up to in London. And we're rapidly pulling in the whole country around this one. The paper's full this morning. It's uh, Rolf Harris, as indeed we predicted yesterday. And he's been found guilty of all 12 sex attacks. There are more women who have come forward based on uh, what they've seen in court so far. Obviously overcoming their uh, demons. He's 84. Five more women have now accused him. He will be going to prison, no doubt, at the age of 84. He'll probably die in prison as well. The shame, of course, being on his uh, on his family. We found another um, illegal immigrant freed after thieving £26,000 from us. I don't believe what the judges said. I'll tell you almost immediately. On LBC. It's nice to be company. We'll tell you what the weather is a little bit later on, just in case you're particularly bothered about that. And uh, going through... Ali Ross's column today. It's so funny, actually. This morning on Thursday, Sharon Marshall, Friday's EastEnders is brilliant. You know Sharon Marshall. She always looks like she's drunk half of, half of that of Pinot Grigio. And so she sits there. And uh, she's the only woman I ever heard say she could open a beer bottle with her mouth. Yes, I was surprised, too. But on, on Thursday, on this morning, she said EastEnders on Friday is brilliant. You know Why? She wrote Friday's EastEnders. Nothing like shameful publicity for poor, attention-seeking Sharon Marshall. It's not quite hit, as it really, love, but never mind. And, um, and this morning with Phil Vickery. What do you put with salad, Eamon? The word dodger, normally, I suspect. <laughs> poor, old, uh, poor old Eamon Holmes. Poor old Eamon Holmes, honestly. He lurches from one huge eating marathon to another one. And he talks about horrible Helen, Big Brother's wood... This is uh, Helen Woods. This is the, uh, the, uh, the former prostitute who had a threesome with Wayne Rooney. Apparently, they're going to put her in a celebrity version. Can you imagine if you're a celebrity booked for... And I say celebrity, we use the term very loosely. Very loosely. And uh, they're going to put her in. Then you go, sorry, what's your claim to fame, dear? Oh, you're a prostitute. Oh, how lovely. How mar- and you're in the celebrity big brother now. I told you, anybody can become a celebrity. It doesn't matter whether you're hated, whether you're vile, whether you're foul-mouthed, as in the case of Helen Wood. She's, uh, she's not a very nice person. When she's apparently being nice, she's uh, equally as vile. And she's just horrible. She's just one of life's horrible people. And she's still in there because they keep her in because it's, it's good value. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Everything we shall uh, put in on the programme. We don't miss anything out. Uh, my friend at work is a horse lover and was recently kicked in the knee by a partner's horse. How does that work? Kicked in the knee? Which way round would you have to be facing the horse to be kicked in the knee? <laughs> they don't kick forwards, they kick backwards. Horses. Agonising pain. She says, I live in a small village outside Cardiff. Oh, here we go. It's Cardiff again, isn't it? And uh, in the news was an article on a, a mum who was out walking her dog and uh, a major search found a trampled to death by a herd of cows. Yeah, the, uh, the cows are very territorial. I don't think people realise just how bad some of them can be and how dangerous they are. I know somebody who, was, who got uh, fallen on by a horse. Huge, huge breakup of uh, ribs and everything else. Um, as far as I understand, says Drew, Christian theology, it's not humans being tested that allows horrible things to happen. It's all about given uh, free will by God. 
It doesn't quite make sense, though, does it? It doesn't quite make sense. I don't think they've ever explained that particularly well when they sort of understand, you know, if there is such a thing as a god and you have to sort of ask the question, well, is there really or is it just a bit of a story? You know, there are those people who don't believe in anything like that and they say, well, I tell you what, you know, if murderers and paedophiles can get away with, uh, with stuff like that, quite clearly there isn't a god. Richard said, did you see Dolly Parton at Glastonbury? No doubt she was miming. Not to all of it. No, there is no doubt in my mind that some of it was mimed and some of it wasn't. But she's so good at doing it, you'd never know. Except I think now you've started noticing. I've noticed it when she starts singing in a very soft little voice. It's, so she'll start telling the story and then she'll sit there playing this little... She had a little zither. Well, have you seen the size of her nails? You can't play a blooming zither with nails like that. And then she played a saxophone... And we're not too sure whether that was right. And then she played a violin. I'm not too sure whether or not she was actually playing the violin. But then she sings in this little, this little voice. Leaked in sound. And it's very quiet. It's so quiet. But yet you can hear it perfectly. Which, you know, you can't even hear her breathing on the thing. And it's different from how she sounds. When she was singing with Richie Sambora, then I believe that was her singing. Because, you know, you can't have two of them miming. You'd have to have one of them miming. And it, would, it wouldn't have sounded right anyway. So you, you watch it. You watch it again. It's very clever. Very, very clever indeed. Uh, the seaside towns that are dying. Oh, they've asked Jim Davidson. Uh, where is dying? Clacton. Clacton. I'm sorry, Clacton. It's dying. It's not not going well. Not going well. Uh, Minehead. Nowhere near as busy as ten years ago. You know, the population of Minehead is 12,000. I don't know anything about Minehead. Why do we not go to the British seaside? And the answer is because it's cheaper to go abroad. The food's rubbish over here. You go to the seaside, it's all cheap, horrible food, isn't it? Doesn't matter where you go. Uh, where else? Blackpool. Oh, well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they could, they could close Blackpool down. I'd be very, very happy. Very, very happy uh, if they closed it. Ghastly place, full of the most awful people. But uh, I'm slightly worried about Clacton, because I thought Clacton was one of our own places. Rill. Rill, apparently, is, is dying on its proverbial. And uh, one bloke here, and it says, VAT is a real killer for me and my cafe. And it probably is. And over in Blackpool, people don't have the money to spend these days. Well, most of the people who go to Blackpool thieve. That's what they do there. We went When we went to Blackpool last time, it's the only place I've seen people going in the amusement arcades and rocking the penny machines to get the pennies to fall out the slot. But, of course, the moment you do that, the, the machine knows that somebody's trying to break into it and just shuts down. And there was a couple there. It was, it was a husband and wife. And they, and they looked like they'd, they'd walked off the, uh, the uh, Jeremy Kyle show. I mean, I don't want to be rude about the people on the Jeremy Kyle show, but I didn't realise that people could be that ugly and still alive. Seriously, these people are seriously unattractive. And they go on there, and we saw a couple, it was a man and woman, and they had the kids around, and they were elbowing the machine. You know when you get those machines where it's like that giant thing that little Benjamin Shepherd does on the television, where you've got to push the coins, and then it pushes them over the edge, and then they fall into the slot. And it's for only pennies, and a lot of them are glued there, so just be warned. And, um, and, they, were do- and they were knocking it. So we went over to the bloke, who was obviously looking after the machines, and went, there's a couple there knocking coins into the slot. Well, they think that's what they're trying to do, so we went over there, and then they actually leave. You know, it's, I mean, it's hilarious, really, that somebody would do that in Blackpool. It's the only place that I've ever been to where you've got people staying in hotels that have got hanging baskets of flowers outside, which are plastic. 
plastic hanging baskets of flowers. It really is. I mean, it, it, I'm sure in its heyday, it was absolutely gorgeous. I'm sure in its heyday, it was absolutely beautiful. I'm sure in its heyday, there were nice people that went there. But unfortunately, it's gone down and down and down and down. And now it's just the lowest common denominator. It's just fat, bloated people with tattoos. It's fat, bloated children. It's foul-mouthed people. It's drunks. It's just, it's horrible. Horrible. So, uh, Rill, I'm led to believe, is roughly the same. Clacton, I thought, was supposedly, pardon me, a little bit better. There's a woman hooked on playing Candy Crush Saga. I've never heard of Candy Crush Saga. I don't know what it is. I'm assuming it's a computer game. Sally Ann Turner used the cash which she stole from her disabled mother, £1,100. Isn't it amazing how I'm reading more and more stories in the papers recently of, of people who steal from their parents? People who actually go out there, and if the mother's... There was, although, on the other hand, there was a, uh, a woman the other day, she stole from her son. He got money for being injured in a bomb blast, and she spent his inheritance. And then she started taking from his other inheritance, so he took her to court. Imagine taking your own mother to court. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. In the bizarre column today, they say, having a go at musical icon Dolly Parton is almost blasphemy. Uh, but the country star got stick from couch potato Brits who accused her of miming. They say here, the voice is real. Well, I mean, I think uh, Stephen Fry leapt to Dolly's defence saying, I know quite a lot about how TV is made. Why are people saying she's miming? Believe me, that is not miming. If it appears not always to lip sync, that's as an HD live processor issue. No, 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 it's got nothing to do with that, Stephen. You've not understood. It's to do with the way it sounds. I'm not interested in whether it matches up on the screen because there's always going to be a slight delay with the processor. So what you watch on the screen is not what you're hearing from there. No, you need to listen to the voice. I can tell if somebody's singing live, and I'm telling you, part of that act was mimed. Now, whether you choose to believe it or not, I don't know. And care precious little, but I'm telling you, part of it was mimed. Which bit, I don't know. Until eventually there's a book written about Dolly Parton and her sound engineer comes out and goes, well, actually, this bit was mimed and that bit. It's like going to see Phantom of the Opera and working out which bit is Memorex and which bit isn't. There's quite a lot of Memorex in Phantom of the Opera. In fact, the, uh, the orchestra at the beginning are, uh, are pre-recorded. Pre-recorded. And the orchestra comes in with... Dun, 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 dun. That's the first time the orchestra play live in the actual uh, overture. And when they're doing the travelator backwards and forwards, pre-recorded. All pre-recorded. So it does go on, and some people are very good at it. I'm assuming that Dolly Parton, who is worth, they say, £260 million. See, that doesn't seem a lot for a lifetime working in the business. A woman who's got Dollywood, a cafe, she's got a chain of things, she's got interest in a film museum and archives and stuff like that. That's, that's why I would think she could be worth £500 million. I mean, let's face it, Joey Essex is worth nearly, nearly £2, isn't he? I mean, he, he can't be. People keep going, oh, he's a millionaire, and you think, no, I don't think so. Don't think so. It's like the old Jordan story. People love to, uh, to say, oh, she's a multi-millionaire. She might be, but she's not got as much as she probably thinks she has. Otherwise, she'd be dressing better, wouldn't she? Wouldn't she? Can't wait to hear this one. This one sounds hilarious, doesn't it? So, uh, the extra special show on the Emirates airline cable car. Nick and Boris at 300 feet. Look at the papers today. She's not going up with them. I think she'll be here in the studio. Daisy McAndrew, political journalist and broadcaster. Um, yes, they say live in the studio. I'm hoping it's this studio and they've not built another one down there. Uh, they will be talking about uh, the shocking conviction of Rolf Harris. Not so much a shocking conviction, more, I suppose, an expected conviction. Uh, the other story that's running in the papers today is a Kenyan fraudster. This is somebody who fiddled more than £26,000 in state benefits, spared jail. Lucy Mbungua 
was handed a suspended sentence despite her four-year spree of dishonesty. It's hilarious. I mean, the judges in this country, they must have their trolleys. The mother of three had been claiming that she was entitled to the generous handouts. The judge, Elizabeth Fisher, at Birmingham Crown Court, said, you're a lady of hitherto good character. She's been thieving for four years. I mean, how far back in the good... What do you mean, when she was a fetus? I'm assuming that's it. But uh, she says, uh, and you've shown a capability to work hard and undertake your family responsibilities. She's understood nothing. She's understood how to thieve. Mumbungwa, who lives in Selly Oak, was convicted of three offences of dishonestly claiming benefits, whilst having no ro- right to remain in the country. But Simon Mortimer, prosecuting, said she now had the opportunity to stay in the UK until 2016, pending her latest immigration appeal. Oh, for goodness sake, well, just hand her the money. Hand her the money. Goodness sake, love, I'm sure you must be able to find some way round it. Everybody else seems to manage it nowadays. Uh, history of crime and punishment in this country, I quite like, in the same paper. Bring back the stocks, as far as I'm concerned. Makes it so much easier. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Steve says, in the flats where I live, uh, we're all on housing benefit. Well, of course you are, because you can't spell, that's why. And if you can't spell, that doesn't really help, does it? Uh, and, uh, and says here, uh, did you know they all have Sky TV and iPhones plus tattoos? Yep, of course. You know, that's that's the way it works nowadays. But in fact, you know, I really want to make sure that uh, people on benefits come off it. You know, the government are dragging their heels over this one. I don't know why. Rapidly going down down the toilet pan and we're still happily paying out money. So somebody who fiddles for 26 hours ago, you're previously of good character. Well, she'd been up in court before then. Previously of good character. Quite clearly not, I'm afraid. Quite clearly for four years. She's been thieving off us. But uh, because she's applying for asylum here, I'm not surprised. I mean, let's face it, come over here. Thieve as much as you like. Nobody does anything. Never going to prosecute you, are they? are going to say, well, you were previously of good character. Apparently, Rill is great at the front and the beach is lovely and clear. Unfortunately, the weather in the country and the cost doesn't help. But I agree with the locals, as you say, ugly, fat and all on benefits. Says Colin, who's in Stockport. <laughs> Which is not unsimilar. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh, it's the price, says Tony. The problems the companies charge for accommodation in Cornwall. The average price seven hundred and fifty pound a week self catering. So it's cheaper to go abroad. Yes, I mean I'm I'm sure it is. But shouldn't we be supporting the seaside towns here? Shouldn't we be going to mind you? But what seaside town would you recommend? What what seaside town could you recommend nowadays? You know you can't recommend Blackpool because it is the pits of the universe. Real. You know, it's attracting all the wrong people. It's the people who, to be honest with you, you really wouldn't want them going abroad either. You'd want them staying here. Um, Does it really matter, says Matt, if part of a show was mimed? It's all about a good show, which it was. Um, Of course it matters. Of course it matters. We like people to be honest. And she keeps telling us she's a good Christian woman, good God-fearing woman. Let's have the truth. Okay, this song I'm now going to do is mimed. You know, then we should be told. Because there's no point in clapping a recording. Otherwise, they might as well come on stage. She might sit there on a stool and they should put a record player next to her and lift the needle on, which they used to do on top of the pops. I well remember Jimmy Savile standing there on top of the pops and going, oh, and now we've got whoever it happened to be. Uh, here, here come, you know, the Beatles with so-and-so. And he would literally lift the needle onto the record player next to him and that would start playing and the Beatles would mime. Nobody played live on top of the pops. You'd kill your career, stone dead. The only time they actually played live was when they brought out the Top of the Pops Orchestra, combined age 3,685 years old, where old men attempted to play pop tunes. It was pitiful to watch. Pitiful. Groups used to come on and go, oh, God, not the Top of the Pops Orchestra. And I tell you what looks even worse now, the dancing girls that they brought on, Pan's People or Ruby Flipper or whoever they were after the time. It was just 
or when you watch them back again, you suddenly realise what the word rubbish was. I mean, and yet in the time we go, oh, we love Pan's people. And don't get me wrong, I was a fan of Pan's people. Ruby Flipper were a bit naff. And, and it was all these silly dance routines where, they, where it looked like it was put together with a budget of threepence, which it probably was, actually. <laughs> uh, 84850. Somebody says, I highly recommend Walking on Sunshine. It's a shame, actually, nobody's recommended that. They've all said it's the biggest pile of rubbish going, I think. So, no, no like? No. no. Look, looks terrible. Looks terrible. Producer says, looks terrible, Sophie. Says, looks terrible. And he went to see Stevie Wonder. Although we did agree on the... F- I interviewed Stevie Wonder in uh, Vienna about, well, a long time ago. And, and all I kept thinking was, why don't they polish his glasses? His glasses were so... He wears these black uh, sunglasses, but they had all fingerprints all over them. And I wanted to say, do you want your glasses cleaned? But I, I got the best interview. I'm probably still archived somewhere. Me and Stevie Wonder. I did Duran Duran. They were so surprised, because when these groups used to arrive in Vienna, they used to get all the... Uh, all the, uh, the Viennese and the Austrian journalists out there and everything else, and their English was not quite as good as mine. So they were a bit surprised to discover there was actually an English person, so I got all the best interviews. Because otherwise, you know, they'd have, uh, so tell me, uh, are, you, are you enjoying being in Austria? And they go, yeah, we love it. Uh, what do you like? And they, that, those sort of, where I'd be going, so anyway, so who are you all married to now? You know, we start talking about touring and stuff like that. So I, I got loads of uh, questions. I went to the opening of Phantom of the Opera when it opened in Vienna. And they had the producer over there. And so they start saying, uh, do we have uh, any questions from the audience? So, of course, I put my hand up. So I get the first question. And I thought it was a fa- fairly good question because I'd seen the show so many times. So all the Austrian journalists are writing down my questions, which is what they do. I got exactly the same with Diana Ross. They say you have three minutes with Diana Ross. That's all we got. So Diana Ross sits there playing with this hair. And I'm constantly doing this with her. Driving you mad, because it wasn't her hair anyway. And she's playing with it. I'm like, stick it on my head. I'll play with it for you. And so she sits there. And you get all the journalists standing behind her. They go, OK, three minutes. And they've practically got a stopwatch on you from now. And so you go through your questions. And all the journalists at the back are writing down your questions and her answers. So they ended up, by the time they'd watched all of the, uh, the, uh, the media doing it for radio... You know, they'd actually filled a page, whereas I got a three-minute interview with Diana Ross, and then they go, OK, thank you very much indeed, that's enough now. And she'd be halfway through a question, and then and she'd sit there, thank you, so nice to meet you. And, and you just sort of wander off. You, I wasn't sure whether you'd been sort of, you know, met royalty. But it was interesting. Phantom of the Opera, I got all the questions. And nobody else put their hand up at all, so I just got the whole thing. It's fantastic. So-and-so's. Western Supermare, now known as a Wild West Super Nightmare. I've never been to Western Supermare. I've been to Hastings. That's nice. Hastings is quite nice. A bit like God's waiting room. And uh, mind you, so many places are, aren't they, nowadays? So many places are. But I haven't, uh, haven't been to Western Supermare. Perhaps it should be one of those places I should visit. Perhaps I should actually go there. On the subject of, uh, of Rill, Simon says you can't see the sea anymore at Rill since they built a car park and put up a high concrete wall along the front. Is that to save the houses there? I've always wanted to live in a seaside resort. I've always thought that would be really a, really a good place to go to. On the subject of... Blackpool. Jeff says, love your show, but as you know, Blackpool I've been in the past and must admit the walk from Blackpool to uh, Fleetwood is a lovely coastal walk and the trams are iconic. Yeah, however, the rest of the place should be raised to the ground and started again. But here's the catch. Why still are the local council or area council authorities regenerated the area like Canary Wharf, Hackney, Shoreditch and other areas? Look what's happened to Kemp Town in Brighton. It was so bad at one stage, even the rats moved out. Yes, I mean, I, I don't want them changing an area so much that it takes things uh, away. What I want is sort of something that looks looks nice and retains it. But all the seaside... If you go along the front at Brighton, it's a dump. 
It's an absolute dump because the sea air comes in with the salt. It rots the buildings. The paint falls off and it's, it just looks horrible. Go up the road to Hove. That's a bit more genteel. People like Hove because they're, they're a bit classier. Brightness of a shower day out, isn't it? That's for South End. I mean, that is fish, chips and tattoos. I don't think... And that's just the women. You want to see what the blokes are wearing? Oh, goodness me. It is, a, it is a place to go to. It is a place. And yeah, I quite like it. I quite like, you know, slumming it every so often. Uh, Tom says, you could send the shirts to Christo. He says, but don't forget to re-sew the buttons with piano wire. I know, so Christo is wearing sh- clothes which are pay- a little bit small for him. But he is typically Greek. I don't want to be rude about it, but he won't spend money on clothes. You know, so he's still wearing the same clothes he had when he was 12. And now it's gaping at the front and all the, all the you know, so you've really got to reinforce the buttons. I know this because he, uh, every time he goes on holiday, he has to lose weight before he goes on holiday. And he loses weight so he can fit into the clothes that he bought five years ago. Because he's so mean, he will not buy new clothes. I don't think he's ever bought a new item of clothing. I think his mother sort of helps him out and she sort of cuts down some of her blouses and makes them into nice things for him. But who could ever trust a nation who march up and down with pom-poms on their shoes? I rest my case, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, So, front page of every paper today, and in Australia. They're going to be crossing to Australia on Nick Ferrari's programme to find out their reaction. They're going to be following it as as carefully as we've followed it now. And so here he is, the police portrait of an abuser, 84 years old. Five more women have come forward, and I suspect there could be even more after that. And uh, he might go... Same as Stuart Hall. They send him off to prison and then back out again into court for some more um, for some more um, accusations coming from people. Uh, her father famously misheard a request for fork handles. So it's fitting that Ronnie Corbett's daughter has been naming her shop after the much-loved to Ronnie Skit. And I had some listeners who went down there the other day and said it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, one of my listeners said she did say to Ronnie, I loved your in-conversation with Steve Allen. And he said he liked doing it as well. So that's good news. LBC News time. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Dan said in Hastings, the seagulls unwrap the white paper bags to eat the doughnuts inside. I've seen lots of on, you know, it'll be all right on the night kind of things. Well, actually, probably not that one. But uh, some of the other programmes where they've had kids eating ice cream and the seagulls swoop down and drag them out of their hands. Have you seen the size of seagulls? They are absolutely enormous. They're, you know, they must have a wingspan of about five to six feet. Uh, Philip in Bournemouth, otherwise known as God's Waiting Room, he says, you often bring to our attention ugly, talentless women. And uh, he says, I heard on a radio station the other day that Tracy Emin is having her award-winning unmade bed auctioned off. Yes, she is. She's hoping to get a million pounds for it. I mean, but you see, don't, don't get me started on what constitutes art, because I don't know. Art, to me, is a picture going down to the National Portrait Gallery and it's a picture of somebody that I can understand. You know, art is where somebody's assembled something quite nice. I don't actually see an unmade bed with a load of tat all over it as being anything to do with art. Otherwise, everybody, you know, anybody can have art. This studio is art. This is an installation here. The fact that it's a working studio, I don't see as any barrier to this being auctioned off as well. You know, when it's all done up again, this studio will cease to exist. There'll be another studio in its place. And, uh, and I'm thinking perhaps we should auction this off at Sotheby's. Because if she's auctioning off this unmade bed, and I never thought she was any good at all, but there again, I don't understand art. You know, I didn't understand Picasso. You know, all this cubism malarkey. And then what, what did the Tate Modern do one year? Was it Upside Down Christmas Tree? Was it Tate Modern or one of, one of the Tates bought a pile of bricks in the middle of the gallery, just a pile of bricks, and that was it. 
and they were they were laid out on the floor. And I looked at it and I thought, do you know, I think these artists are having a laugh at us, aren't they? Do you think Tracy Emmons sit there going, ha, 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 and that funny little voice she's got. You know, I conned people into buying a bed. But then somebody likes it. Sarchi buys art, doesn't he? He buys that sort of thing. I don't understand it at all. And there's no point in, in me trying to understand or somebody trying to explain it to me, because to me it will remain, as is at the moment, a big pile of rubbish. doesn't do anything for me at all. But I remember the absolutely fab series where, where Adina goes in to an art gallery and says, I just want to buy some art. I just want to buy some art. And they show her all these various rubbish things, you know, pile of... I mean, where did I go once? I did go to Tate Modern, which I can't bear. I don't know why. It's just not my kind of thing. It's a big turbine hall. And and inside there, on one table, was a load of cutlery. And I looked at it and I thought, and? And that was it. It was just a pile of cutlery on a table. On another one, there were five seagulls with, with arrows straight through them pinned to a wall. I didn't quite understand that either. I was hoping that it could be pigeons, you know, seagulls. I wasn't too too bothered about but it was the cutlery all over the place and and sort of strange and people stand there looking at it and i think are you mad i think all these artists are having a laugh was there not somebody abroad who made up outfits out of meat and so they made clothes out of meat lady gargoyle wore something didn't she it was all just ugh. what's the matter with these people you see but that's just me, my ignorance i suppose i don't understand it I only understand pictures that look like the people that they are, or a piece of... I don't know what would constitute a piece of art to me. I don't know nowadays. A piece of Lego, I suppose. So that's, that's why, Philip, it's, it's no good asking me to understand modern art, because I don't. Kevin the Milkman says, I'm not surprised that Dolly Parton mimes some lines. I know my group singer struggles with a couple of our old songs now, and I help out with a bit of vocal duties when we play live. Just a, just a case of lots of words and not a lot of breathing spaces. And as we get older, it gets a bit harder. I don't think anybody should be upset with Dolly about it. And after a week with Simon learning my round, he said, um, I'm back on my own. Good to have visitors, but nice to have my place back to myself. Yes, it's always nice to have visitors, but it's, it's also nice to, uh, you know, to not, uh, not have people with you at all. Because you don't want to know what to say to them, do you, half the time? It's like whenever I go on holiday, I've got to go on holiday with more than one person because one person I'm going to be bored witless with. Two people, I'm fine. I can bounce off two people much better. Uh, Annie says, Rottingdean is a gorgeous village, five miles along from Brighton. Yes, I know Rottingdean very well. Very, very well. Because my, my friend lives out at Rottingdean. Uh, 84850. I do know, Steve, uh, of a couple of decent seaside resorts in this country. And if the tattooed and gold chain Jingle Jangle Brigade descended upon them, they would become forever tarnished. And that's why I don't intend to make them mo- known. So thank, thank you, Gary, who's currently in Lister Hospital recovering from too much prostate cancer. Get people checked. I'm always saying to people, get checked, get checked, get checked for everything. You've got a little ache and a pain. I'm not just talking about people who get headaches, although sometimes headaches can be particularly bad. But, you know, people who've got things, go and get it checked out. So that's why Gary is currently in the hospital, who's being uh, sorted out from, uh, from prostate cancer. It's a bit, you know, I sometimes think I've managed to get to this age and so far... We've only just had the diabetes and all the other little problems. Actually, when I think about it, they're not that little problems. But, you know, you don't, you don't worry about stuff like that. There's people far worse off than I am, goodness sake. Far worse off. Other stories of the papers. I'm trying to find something that isn't, that isn't uh, Rolf Harris, but it does dominate. It really does dominate. As, as indeed does Danielle Lineker. I still can't work out what in God's name she was invited by the Prime Minister for. I mean, she's only the wife of a football host. Would they invite any of the other wags? She doesn't contribute anything at all. I don't quite get that one, but there you go. So it's, perhaps she's got a new PA or something, and they're trying to uh, trying to sort it out. Who's this a picture of? Who's this a picture of? Oh, it's uh, Bradley Cooper and Michael Fassbender. 
Lovely. Out on the town. And then Andy Murray. Is he still doing well at Wimbledon? Is he doing OK? Is, is he at the quarterfinal? Oh, that's OK. That's OK. That's fine. I can, I can cope with something like that. And they were all there, weren't they, yesterday? Uh, his, his girlfriend, Kim Sears... You know, it must make it really difficult when that roof comes in and shuts them. It must be like being in a in a giant greenhouse. The heat must be appalling. Although I've been on a few buses recently where it appears to me that the heat is still on. Perhaps they do it to watch us sweat. It works. It works. Uh, here is the story of the city worker killed in the... Uh, the son of a city worker killed in the 7-7 London bombings has sued his mum after she blew his £50,000 compensation. Uh, Adam Gray is still waiting after a judge ordered to pay back most of it. Adam was 11 when his dad Richard died in the suicide attack on the tube train near Oldgate. He asked his mum, Louise, to look after his payout until he reached 18, but when he asked for it, she said it was gone on cars and shopping sprees. Adam, who's now 20, from Ipswich, sued her and said, not only have I lost my beloved dad in the most tragic of circumstances, but I've lost my mother too. Because the Criminal Injuries Compensation Board awarded £250,000 to Louise Adams. Uh, to Louise, uh, Adam received 50000 his sister 100000 and a judge at Northampton County Court has now awarded Adam 43000 Louise, who plans to appeal, said, it all got out of control, I spent it all on fancy things. The judge says I have to pay the money back, but I haven't got it. I just want to apologise and start over. You thieving old bag. Hate people like that. I haven't got it. I haven't got it. There was a, it was the bailiffs on the telly last night. And I, I do laugh because I've never had the bailiffs turned up. I took, well, I wouldn't because I don't, I don't like to borrow money. And in this particular case, they turned up and it was some bloke and he'd used a solicitor and he owed £16,000. And he'd done what a lot of these people do. I'm not paying it back. Go stick it. You know, not interested. And so they turn up to the house and the wife talks them through the letterbox. And then she does that usual thing. You know what sort of person it is. She goes... I hope, do you love your job? And he goes, well, it's a job, isn't it? That's what I do for a living. And, of course, I mean, she fails to understand that they're quite, you know, quite clearly thieving so-and-sos. They, they've had the services of somebody, but they don't want to pay for it. Eventually, they, they get through to this bloke on the telephone. <clears throat> she said he was working away. And, and, uh, and the bailiff says, well, look, you know, it's this 16,000. Well, I'm seeing my solicitor. I'm going to uh, declare myself bankrupt. And I thought, that's what people do nowadays, isn't it? They can't be bothered to, to deal with their responsibilities, so they make themselves bankrupt. I've seen more celebrities do it. Uh, you know, every time you open up the paper, there they all are. Can you pay your tax bill? No, bankrupt. I'm waiting for a few people from The Only Way is Essex, and I will be laughing. I will be laughing. You know, ooh, we've earned a fortune. Oh, we're declaring ourselves bankrupt. Because they can't be bothered to, uh, to step up to the mark and pay what they owe. I always pay what I owe every year. Don't necessarily want to do it, but if I've earned the money, I've got to do it. And all these people do it. You know, you've seen them in blue. Is it three members of blue have declared themselves bankrupt? Quite clearly, you know, idiots of the first order. Lynn says, all this modern art leaves me cold. If an unmade bed is worth a million, anybody want a photo of my untidy kitchen for a crack on with housework? I just don't know. I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. I mean, the... This man who takes these bodies and plasticizes them. That, I thought, was somewhat weird. We've got this fascination with, uh, is it cadavers, where they've got dead bodies. And there is this, this farm somewhere in Wales, I think it is, and it's all closed off to the public, but it's there as a forensic farm. And all over the farm there are bodies. And they've been laid there deliberately uh, by the police and by pathologists to see what happens to bodies so they can see 
how much they decay over time and what happens if they're left in the open, if animals attack, all this sort of thing. And they check them every so often. So they go out there to check these bodies. Who the people are, I've got no idea. I suppose there might be people who offer their bodily services, like the people who've given it up to be plasticised. And then this, this goes around the world. I remember the furore there was. Actually, talking of furore, it was so funny because uh, somebody was asking me the other day about the film The Life of Brian which was the Monty Python film, and it was about... uh, It was supposedly based on Jesus of Nazareth, and it was very funny. It was very, very funny. But I remember when it opened, the cinemas that showed it were picketed. They were picketed by a group called the Festival of Light. I don't even know whether they exist anymore, but they were out there going, this film is blasphemy, and, of course, people just walking straight past them and going in to watch a Monty Python film. And it was funny. I didn't think it was blasphemy at all. It depends whether you believe it. If you don't want to believe it, you don't have to believe it. But I remember distinctly, in Richmond, the people out there with banners outside the cinema saying, do not see this film, this is blasphemy. How times they have changed, ladies and gentlemen. What was the one that everybody complained about? Romans in Britain they complained about. And then there was another one, and I can't remember what it was, written by somebody very well known, and uh, they all, everybody complained. Every so often there'd be something for people to complain about. Steve Allen on LBC. Uh, Naomi says uh, there are still tickets available for Peter Tatchell's talk tonight to the Sheffield Humanists, all proceeds to his foundation. He'll be talking about uh, London lesbian rights in the UK, homophobia in Africa and Russia. That's what Elton John was talking about the other day, wasn't it? He was talking, he'd like to have a chat with Putin about the homophobia that exists and how uh, people cannot talk about homosexuality. They're a bit backward in Russia, aren't they, really? They might have lots of corruption and everything else, and they've probably got thousands and if not millions of homosexuals, but uh, they don't like to talk about it. A little bit, a little bit worried. Uh, 84850. Neil says, ah, it makes sense now, this trail of destruction that I seem to leave everywhere, unmade bed, etc. I'm an artist. Could you now please explain this to Lorraine for me? That's the, the long-suffering. It's, it's, it's modern art, isn't it? I don't, and I don't, <laughs> don't know what it is. I feel a bit, a bit embarrassed, really, that I don't understand somebody like Tracy Emin. I'm just not remotely interested. I don't even like Grayson Perry. I don't know why. I'm just not particularly interested. I just find these people are just somewhat bizarre. Perhaps I might probably think I'm bizarre as well. Um, no surprise re-roll from the verdict, says little Julie. I watched Dolly set again, and yes, some of it was mimed, but I don't care. Re-going on holiday, I recently went to Portland and Weymouth in Dorset. Beautiful. Yes, we went to the uh, the Isle of Wight once. That was quite nice. I can't think of the best place I've ever been on holiday. Mevergissey in Cornwall. That's quite nice. Mevergissey. Little sort of fishing village. See, I'd like to live in a place like that. Probably not, actually, though, because I'm used to living in London. But, I mean, to live... Oh, look, the sun's come up. And um, I digress. And I thought, I'd like to live in a little village and have... Or, you know, a place with a little harbour and have a fish and chip shop and, and a little tea shop. A bit like a town... A town called Alice. That that would suit me absolutely. That would absolutely. So Noah is the film they complained about. Jerry Springer the Opera. That's what people. That's what people complained about. Jerry Springer the Opera, and it, it gathered momentum. Do you remember? It gathered momentum on the internet, and of course, it's very easy to gather momentum on the internet. I remember I was. T- what did I talk about once? I mentioned something on the program about. Um, was it badminton? It wasn't badminton bowls or something. Whatever it was, it was very bizarre. And and I'd said, you know, I don't... Or synchronised swimming. It, whatever it was, it was something ridiculous that apparently turned out to be an Olympic sport. And I said, nobody's interested. Nobody's interested in this. Well, then, obviously, it got picked up by one person. And it was Chinese whispers. By the time it changed um, and it had gone viral, I started getting a load of... a load of emails and things like that from all around the world, from people 
who had never heard this programme, but they'd gone by what somebody had said. You know, apparently Steve Allen on LBC had said something about hang all people who play that, whatever. It was, it was, it was so ludicrous. And uh, we found out where it came from originally. We threatened them with legal action and it stopped immediately. It was unbelievable because, you know, people have to listen properly and get things right. If you don't, there are laws. There are laws in the country, especially laws appertaining to Big Brother, which apparently is heading back. Celebrity Big Brother. And uh, they've just signed up. They say Gary Boosie. I don't even know who he is. I have no idea who he is. All I can tell you is he's 70. I think he starred as Buddy Holly. But he's 70. And obviously, work has dried up, so he said uh, yes. Helen Flanagan has said no. Well, I mean, you know Helen, don't you? I've told you before. How many times have I told you? If you do this, your career is finished. Absolutely finished. And uh, they also say he's going to be joined by George Gilby. Who? Exactly. I had no idea who he was at all. He's on Gogglebox, and that's it. And uh, they say it's, you know, they, they always like... Uh, Hollywood star in the mix. He's 70. Gary Boosie's 70. He's not a Hollywood star. They say they hope George will be a cheeky chappy, but they're gutted that Helen Flanagan's turned them down. Why? They're obviously trying to put out some feelers. Some feelers about, you know, who would be interested in going to this dreary programme. They can't even have the non-celebrity one doing anything at all. Very worrying. Fatherhood is the big issue for Emmerdale star Adam Thomas. Adam Thomas is uh, in Emmerdale. He's got a brother, actually, who's in Coronation Street. I think there's the, the two of them. And Gemma Collins is at the centre of a bit of a, a bit of a rumpus, uh, mainly because she still hasn't lost the weight. No, not this one at all. Uh, this is the um, several of her admirers, for that read one, because she doesn't actually have admirers, have turned up at her little boutique in Brentwood. You know, Brentwood is just made up of these ghastly shops, but at least the landlords are getting the rent for as long as these people's fame continues. And uh, she said that you have to buy something or hand over a tenner before she would pose for a snap. I mean, this is how the story goes. They've said this before, haven't they? It might be Louis Tomlinson's way of trying to raise money for his little football club. Uh, Sally Ann Johnson wrote, she refused my 14-year-old daughter, shoved her more or less out of the door, which I don't believe. Nobody would push her out of the door. I don't think so. A source close to Gemma, that'll be not her because she can't speak, says she, she had pictures all day, every day, whenever she goes, and would never charge for this. No probably well she can't i mean she's nobody is she she's just she's just the uh, the lardy one on the program who's uh, who's two-faced in fact we're not actually sure whether she's two-faced or four-faced she certainly seems to uh, to fib to most people on there and uh, of course i mean it lurches from yet one disaster to another because now we've got lydia not so bright back on somebody says couldn't we actually deport Rolf Harris back to prison, back, back to Australia, I mean. I don't know. There's, there's one woman here, she's a, a TV producer. There's all sorts of various people. He could take his wobble board and stylophone. Yes. I mean, it, it is. It's, it's a bit sad, really. Don't you think it's sad? I think it's terribly sad that here's somebody that we hailed as a, you know, he was Mr. Squeaky Cleat. He was Rolf Harris. He was Rolf Harris. He, just, he played his wobble board, he sang, he had hits in the charts. I think he played Glastonbury. I'm pretty certain he played Glastonbury. I remember, yeah, he, he twice the producer seen him there. Twice. Did he do his, and she's climbing the stairway. He did Stairway to Heaven, didn't he? The old Led Zepp song with his wobble board. And, and now everything collapses like a pack of cards. Like a complete pack of cards. He swore, did he swear? Oh, no. Oh, no. You see, I've had that before where I've gone to see somebody and they've been a bit of a, an icon to me. And then they use four-letter words on... St and I always say, oh, no, 
Oh, no, I would never do that. I would never... It would be so easy to do that. You go out and you do your one-man show or you do a show somewhere and it's very easy to swear. I could never do it. In fact, I think, actually, even Paul O'Grady as Lily Savage, I think he managed to do the whole character. I don't think he swore. Privately, he swears something chronic. <laughs> but, but on stage, I don't think he ever did it because the character was seen in, in pantomime and, and things like that. And so he didn't, he didn't bother swearing. I couldn't swear on stage. It's not in my nature. I could do a whole programme swearing if people so desired, but A, we'd never get away with it. And now the, uh, the boss is sort of going, please don't, Steve, please don't. But I wouldn't. It's an inbuilt thing. You just don't do anything like that, do you? Jan says Flanagan should return to Corrie. It was a fun character. Yes, although we suddenly realised that her, her playing ditzy was, in fact, her being ditzy. Uh, Maxine says, I found a little magic hideaway four miles away from Mevagissi uh, called... I'm not going to tell anybody. OK. Uh, apparently, Gary Boosie was the blonde baddie in the Lethal Weapon one with Mel Gibson. Yeah, but I mean, is that is that worthwhile booking him over here? Because he's not I mean, he's not known to me. I'm not saying he's not known to people, but do, I mean, as they don't sell this program to America, what's the point of putting an American on there? Are we, are we really that desperate <clears throat> that we haven't actually got enough celebrities in this country. You've got to put some bloke on who's been on the Channel 4 programme about Gogglebox, who 99% of you have never heard of. Matt says the best seaside places are on the east coast of Yorkshire. Scarborough, Whitby, Filey, Robin Hood's Bay, Staines. Yes, Staines, the millionaire playground, or as we prefer to say, the holding pen for the Jeremy Kyle show. Yes, good old Staines. Is Mario Falcone still on Towie? I don't think so. Difficult to tell. He doesn't seem to have popped up in the Marbella thing. I think he went out there, but they haven't bothered featuring him. In fact, I really think the whole thing needs a recast. Because they've all become... And you watch those businesses close, one after the other. Bang, 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 bang. They'll all go. be like the huge pack of cards. Because the moment they're not on the television, they found other people. And they've had it their own way for a little while. That's why some of them are so awful. They are so dreadful. Uh, Bruno says, the only way Tracy Emin's bed could possibly be worth a million pounds would be if she promised to get into it, pull the duvet over her head and remain there until the end of time. I think we're all being hoodwinked. I think we're all being hoodwinked. I mean, I just, I just, and, and I love art critics. Don't we just love art critics? They sit there and they all, most of them seem to be terribly pompous. Do you remember Sister Wendy? Sister Wendy was a, was a nun, a real nun. And, and she liked art, and obviously somebody thought she was, she was barking mad enough to put her on the television. And, and, and she became a character. But of course, she, she's actually quite tough, as nuns go, as anybody will tell you. You don't find easygoing nuns. They're harbouring a lot of, lot of distress, let me tell you. Not just here, but in Ireland as well. But she, she appeared on the television, and she became a cult. And the thing I like about this picture, and she starts explaining it to it, and then you get the other end of the scale, where you get Brian Sewell, sort of sounded like an elongated Kenneth Williams, pontificating about art, that nobody understood what he was talking about. I don't know whether they bother reviewing art in the picture. Just go, this is a pretty picture, this is not a pretty picture. And some of it looks like it's been drawn by children. It's awful, I'm afraid. Absolutely awful. Uh, talking art, isn't Banksy pretty much a criminal? What, because he puts his art on the side of people's houses? No, I think they're quite good. I'd love to know who he is. I want to know, I want to watch him doing one of his pictures. Will she come and draw on the side of my place? Love it if he came and draw on the side of my place. I know where there is a Banksy, and nobody's found it yet. I'm not going to tell you where it is, because you'll all be rushing around there. But uh, I used to think it was a Banksy. I'm pretty certain it is a Banksy. And it's not very big. And I'm, I'm not even going to give a clue, actually. I'm not even going to give a clue as to, uh, as to where it is. Let somebody go and bring the wall down, and that could be very embarrassing. 
Teddy to come on your early morning breakfast show. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen with you till 6.30 when Lisa Aziz will be along. Front pages, as you know, dominated by Rolf Harris. 60 years of celebrity ending in shame and more women. Five have come forward. Mick Jagger lays into the Python team as they prepare to perform together for the first time since 1980. The cream of British talent turned up at Downing Street yesterday on Danielle Lineker. So the cream of British talent... Oh, scrapes and barrels in our time. Benefit Street's White D has branded the NHS boob scrounger Josie Cunningham absolutely pathetic. Real pots and kettles, and the sooner her benefit is taken away. And we take all your texts and emails. It's LBC, I'm Steve Allen, all of that and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Five past six for 50 years. He was the face of wholesome family TV. Now you know the truth. Rolf Harris is a predator who duped us all. He faces jail over the sex assaults, found guilty of 12 attacks. Five more women have come forward. They've accused him of uh, various misdemeanours. 40 years of depravity. That's the front pages of all the papers this morning. He was a friend of Jimmy Savile. He used to go to Broadmoor. In fact, we were just saying, looking at the television images of Jimmy Savile, you know, there you look at this man, how nobody ever saw through it. Well, in fact, people did, but they didn't do anything. Now they've unmasked Rolf Harris. I begin to wonder, all these people who are now coming forward saying this and that happened, and all the people said, we knew about it. Why now? Why now? minutes past six. I've always said there was one thing that always stuck out in my mind at the time that people were talking about Jimmy Savile and people were talking about, you know, he was only into young girls. Apparently, and reading the report about Broadmoor, he had a a liking for 12-year-old girls. That's what he homed in on. And they said in the report on Broadmoor, because he liked 12-year-old girls, they said, oh, you know, just, just watch him a little bit. But I always remember, and it's stuck in my mind all these years, the one Jim will fix it that he went on was with a 12-year-old girl to the Dead Sea. And I remember it. I can see it as clear as day, because I remember thinking at the time, that's a bit odd, he never went on fix-its. His producer and him would sort of pick out the ones they wanted, and they would always be... It was a format. You know, somebody would sit there, and they'd go, somebody's always wanted to meet a group... And that would be the group of the day, and they would come on and sing their song, and then he'd, he'd push the button of his chair, and they'd think, sometimes he'd get them to give him a kiss, and then somebody'd sit there with his cigar, and he'd, he'd do his, his whole act, little realising at the time. Well, we didn't realise at all that the same as Rolf Harris, he was, he was technically looking at people to go to his dressing room. But uh, because we can't put Jimmy Savile up in court, although in America they'd have done that. They actually would have done that. They, they've done it before with, with celebrities who died. They've actually put them in court and just had an empty chair and found them guilty at the same time. I'm thinking of Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson was actually put on trial in America after he was dead. They put him on trial because they said he knowingly infected a boyfriend of his with the HIV virus. They put him on trial and he was found guilty in his absence. In the case of uh, Jimmy Savile, we, we can't put him up on trial because he's dead. In the case of Rolf Harris... Uh, 40 years of depravity and the one person I suppose you feel more sorry for is his wife, who's had to put up with this. For an 84-year-old, he looks good, but I don't know how many, if it's 12 counts at the moment, and there could be another five counts after that, but we don't know yet, but 12 counts, certainly. Um, Two years for each one, would that be considered appropriate? I don't know, 24 years? Is he going to live to, uh, to 106? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. 
so he will obviously die in prison. Uh, will it be a custodial sentence? Absolutely. Absolutely, I'm thinking. Uh, so whether or not it uh, satisfies the, the lust for revenge, I don't know. Does it compensate the people who, who claim that uh, they, were, they were touched by Rolf Harris? I don't know. I just feel I've been cheated. I feel I've been cheated because we wanted a wholesome entertainer. The fact he was Australian didn't come into it. We used to watch the Rolf Harris shows, the Rolf Harris dancers. He was, I've interviewed him myself on a couple of occasions. I've interviewed his brother who looks after him. And his brother collects aeroplanes and stuff like that. He's roughly the same sort of age. And we bought into it. We bought into the songs twice at Glastonbury. Twice at Glastonbury. That's, that's the sort of thing that we... You know, he was a wholesome entertainer. And, and that's who you trust, isn't it? You trust, like people trusted Jimmy Savile. People went to the Jimmy Savile show. But I'm telling you, that one girl who he took away to the Dead Sea and they were floating around together on the Dead Sea. I mean, you don't know what happened. You have no idea. There are various pictures in the papers today of Rolf with, with children in swimming costumes and they're saying that nothing, nothing uh, happened here at all. So they have to make it quite clear. But there's another... So that's 12 people, so 17 people. I mean, you're assuming, aren't you, in somebody who's been around for 40 years working as a professional, there's got to be a whole raft of people. Some, of course, who don't want to come forward. There will be people who will not want to come forward and say that... I mean, I didn't have any idea. I have to be honest, I have to admit my naivety. Rolf Harris would be the last one. I've heard a couple of other names banded around in show business of people who they say, you watch, that'll be one that'll be a, be a run. You get no... Because it's just, it's just almost beggar's belief, doesn't it? It's Rolf Harris. He was the archetypal knight. He painted the Queen, for goodness sake. He painted the Queen. Uh, Margaret's in Scotland, says hi. Hi, Margaret. Everybody in Scotland. I wish I was in Scotland at the moment. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit by a lock. I don't want to go fishing or anything like that. My brother does fishing. It's the most boring thing under the sun. And uh, my friend John goes fishing as well. He likes that. He likes fishing. Margaret in St Ives says, Modern art. A friend of mine used to be an odd job man for a very, very famous local abstract artist. One day he asked him for his honest opinion about a painting he was working on. My friend quite bluntly told him it was awful, even hideous. The artist replied, good. They'll love it. Yes, it's Francis Bacon who commands huge prices, isn't it? Uh, Yvonne says, uh, on Rolf Harris, as long as there's a bandwagon, they'll keep on jumping on. Yes, people will. I mean, some people, you know, in the Jimmy Savile case, I've said before, uh, will be making stories up, will be exaggerating. They think there's going to be lots of compensation. I don't think there is. I've said before, I think that the uh, the lawyers will be swallowing the money up. Uh, Gary Boosie, Steve, was on The Apprentice. USA season 11. Oh, right. Oh, so he's already done the rounds, has he? Of this, So nothing to do celebrity Big Brother. Celebrity Big Brother would probably be a, a walk in the park. Although, of course, he won't know anybody. Dreadful. Uh, Rose says, I do feel for anybody who's been through any kind of ordeal, sensual. I really do, but I'm selfish to feel so upset by all the celebs that I grew up with that they weren't real. A, a sort of Jekyll and Hyde. Yes, well, that's it. Uh, Wendy in Farnborough says, I feel sad for people like my son who looked up to Rolf Harris as a child and over the years for art inspiration. I have a photo taken of my son 25 years ago when he was 10, grinning when he met him after a show. He's let so many down. Yeah, I mean, I've got pictures, uh, I had a picture of me with, with Rolf Harris, as indeed has quite a, anybody who's ever done an interview, which would run into thousands of people over the years. Thousands of people. Um... <laughs> Neil says, I'm sure Gary Boosie passed away a few years ago. Well, I think not, unless they've embalmed him and brought him back. Mind you, talking of embalming, that was that dreadful story the other day. I got no end of comments about it. You know, the man who took his little dog in, who had a cough, and the dog was called Ranger or something like that, and he, he took him into the, to the vet, and he had a cough, and the vet thought that he... Because he said to him, do you think he's had enough? 
And the man thought that he was talking about the cough. And he went, yes, I think he has. So while he was standing there, the vet gave him this injection. This bloke didn't know it. It was a lethal injection. It killed the dog. He was putting the dog to sleep. And then at the end, he said to the bloke, he said, um, do you want to take him home to bury him or should we bury him here? And of course, the bloke thought he was being given an antibiotic to make him better for the cough. And he's now got a dead dog on his hand. And he goes, sorry? And he goes, uh, we'll just put him to sleep. What? He said, I didn't even have a chance to say goodbye to this poor dog. So he's, he ends up taking him home to bury him in the garden. But they thought he was being given a cure. So the, And I said at the time, surely there must be something in place to make sure. And the, and the vet, who was sort of, I mean, there's nothing more he could say about it until it goes to a tribunal or something like that. He said, I, th- I thought the receptionist said they wanted their dog put down. So when I said, has he had enough? And the bloke said, yes, thinking he was talking about the cough. Little did he realise that when he stuck the needle in him, it was actually killing him. The dog, of course, must have been going, what the, What are you doing? What are you doing? Very worrying. Times this morning. Voters turning away from the Scottish nation straight. Uh, number 10, can't make the stars come out. Cameron's party, a far duller affair than Blair's Cool Britannia. Although they were all there, lovely Ronnie Corbett. Ronnie Corbett, love Ronnie Corbett. Really good, well worth joining. And, um, and also uh, John Barrowman. It's interesting. Uh, uh, we've got John Barrowman coming in for an in-conversation because he's on tour very, very shortly. So we'll we'll delve further into that story in a moment. 14 past six. Could be hilarious, this, couldn't it? We've only just discovered the producer's got a height phobia. So they're going to be going round five times. Because it's five, five minutes across, so then five minutes back, five minutes across, five minutes back, five minutes across, five minutes back. <laughs> Poor old Christian. Anyway, I'm sure it'll be very funny and very interesting, to say the least. So 300 feet in the air with the producer who's clinging on for grim death. Uh, and they'll be taking your questions as well. This'll be even funnier. Plus all the latest on the shocking conviction of Rolf Harris. Looking at the papers today, political journalist and broadcaster Daisy McAndrew will be, uh, will be with them as well. Another story in the paper today, which is the father who was caught speeding in his car at 150 miles an hour with four young children. And uh, they weren't wearing seatbelts. Thank God they've decided to jail Keith Millard, who told police he was driving the Mercedes 320 at such a speed because he was trying to catch a ferry for his family holiday. Officers later discovered the car belonged to his father and that he was not insured to drive it. He was clocked in a speech. So, in other words, a compulsive liar as well. They got one the other day, claimed to be a doctor. I'm going to an emergency in the hospital, he said. He had a child standing up on the back seat of the car. And, uh, and he said, well, I'm getting, they said, well, I'm sorry, you're not. Well, what emergency is it? I've got to go and examine a patient. That's not an emergency. And he was taking his wife and daughter there, standing on the back seat of the car. He said, it's my wife's fault. Quite clearly pushing the responsibility on the man was an idiot. But uh, anyway, when this man uh, was pulled over, this Mr Keith Millard, he was found to have his six-month-old twins in the car seat with his one-year-old daughter between them and his son in the footwell. The two old uh, children and the baby seats were not secured by seatbelts. He was uh, a bit of dangerous driving, driving without any insurance, and jailed for 20 weeks and banned for driving for three years. What an idiot. What an absolute buffoon. But I, th- I think the courts need to come down harder on people like that. It's like drinking and driving. As I pointed out to you yesterday, in Scotland, it's, uh, it's now almost zero tolerance. One pint of beer, one glass of wine will take you over the limit in Scotland. I only tell you that now because they don't want people complaining afterwards that there was no publicity, there was no mention of it at all. And uh, 
And there is, especially on this programme. Uh, Neil says, on the subject of uh, Rolf Harris, of all the people accused of child abuse, I so didn't want to believe it of Rolf Harris. We all liked him. I hope now he's got plenty of time to consider the consequences his actions have had on the life of his victims. Well, it's, he was obviously a Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, quite clearly, there were two different people. Quite clearly, there were, you know, there was the Rolf Harris on the television, and then there was the Rolf Harris away from it playing the celebrity. And that's why. Uh, Julie says you don't need to go abroad. So she sent me pictures of uh, Portland in Dorset. It's very pretty. Why do people always take pictures of sunsets? Why do pe- How can you see the people with tattoos standing on the cliff? You know, where are they? Show me the pictures of the people with, with the tattoos. Oh, that's nice. Look at you about to throw yourself off the top of the cliff. I'm frightened of cliffs, you know. I'm frightened of cliffs because I always I see these programmes on the telly where the cliff just drops away. And years ago, we used to live up in uh, Yorkshire. And I remember me and my brother went onto the beach one day and the tides around there come in fast and it's very windswept in Yorkshire. And we were on the coast and the tide started coming in. And so we tried to get up. I'd, I'd lost where we came down onto the beach and it was quite steep cliffs and they were made of clay and it was wet. And we started climbing and then we slipped all the way back down again and the tide was coming in and I went into a complete and utter meltdown complete utter meltdown and we were looking at the i'm thinking we're going to drown we're going to be drowned at the bottom of this cliff because we couldn't get up the blooming thing so we ran along the beach until we saw a fisherman he said oh there's a set of steps back there and that was my best bit of relief because wearing wellingtons caked in mud which don't grip it was uh, and i thought there's nobody on the beach apart from this blooming fisherman could have lost our lives uh, 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk and, um, actually, Rock Hudson was tried after his death. Colin, you're wrong. The book was called The Trial of Rock Hudson. I have a copy of it, a signed copy, actually. And, uh, he was sued. They had an empty chair in the court. I can, I can quote you chapter and verse on it. I never make mistakes. Uh, Jackie says, hot, fresh tiger bread from the baker this morning with homemade strawberry jam. Well, that sounds quite nice, but I don't do jam. And I've no idea what tiger bread is. Is that that bread that you can buy which has got stripes across it, I suppose? I can't think of any, anything else that it would be. So it's what? You get it? Looks more like a giraffe, apparently. God. <laughs> 84850. Uh, Minnis Bay near Birchington in Kent. Very quiet beach. European cleanliness status. Safe swimming and sailing, says Richard and Sarah in Sittingbourne. Well, so that looks quite nice. Is this a recent picture, though? Because if it is, I, I, I can cope with something like that. I like things like that. So, you know, something that looks looks particularly good and quiet. I like quiet. Uh, 84850. Surely these people who earn large amounts of money and then avoid their tax bills by going bankrupt should be stood in the dock next to the benefit cheats they inevitably moan about supporting through the tax they do not pay. I was self-employed years ago, says John, and every time I got paid, I put a third into a separate account so I didn't get any nasty surprises as tax is an obligation. Yes, I do exactly the same. We always put so much in every month into the tax account, so it is there should the tax man come a-calling. If, at the end of the year, I've got some money left over, well, then I can have a little treat. And we always try and save as much, so, you know, just in case. You know, we don't know what the what the tax bill's going to be. I know exactly how much uh, tax I've got to pay at the end of July. If Lauren Goodger knows how much tax she's got, oh, she must do. By now, the accountant should have sorted out all these things, shouldn't they? And I make sure that I've got the tax there, because I'm a good boy. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And, uh, one here, it says, the Gary who died was the guy of different strokes. Oh, was that uh, Gary, can't remember his name. Yes, I know, little, little bloke, wasn't it? Gary, 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 Gary Coleman. Oh, well done, yeah, woo, big up you. 
Big up you knowing things like that, Clive. Actually, I was talking about you the other day to somebody. Who was it? I can't remember. Anyway, I'm sure it was... Uh, it was very interesting. Eight four eight five O Steve at LBC. Don't uh, sorry. Dot co. Dot uk. Don't no. It's don't. Just, somebody says uh, Chris. He says obviously you have no pets. How little you know, girly. How little you know. Uh, John Barrowman coming in. Don't tell Christo. Eight four eight five O. The dog was called Gunner. Great shame, says Glenn. I know. We did. We did think it was a bit. It was just one of those stories, wasn't it? Oh dear. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, the cable car even funnier. Will other commuters be able to use it? Yes, I think so. Yes, I, I, I believe they're just going round and round with travel sickness pills. They, they aren't. They aren't stopping it. It, it, it just continues. So, in other words, you could be in the other cable car, and you will, if you decide to stay on it, you'll be going past Nick and Boris every so often, and the producer hanging over the side will be Christian. He'll be the one going, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> 84850, Oh, I've just realised we're practically running out of time, I'm afraid, on the programme. Just when I thought it was going to go a little bit longer. It isn't. It isn't. Uh, well, at least we're agreed on one thing. None of us understand modern art. We haven't got the faintest idea of what it's all about. However, I do understand what a free podcast is. And No, the copy's not signed by Rock Hudson, quite clearly not. Don't be so stupid. <laughs> Although, actually, I did have a book a short while ago, and I only realised, after I bought it, it was uh, a book about Liberace. And it was written by the ex-boyfriend, signed by Liberace. And I thought, no, 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 he'd be dead. How could it be signed? But again, it was one of those classic things on eBay, where you buy something, and you just you don't think about the logistics, do you? You think, oh, no, it must, must be genuine. So, front pages of every paper. The Sun, it's Rolf Harris. The uh, Mirror, it's Rolf Harris. The, uh, the Metro... It's Rolf Harris. The Times, it's Rolf Harris. The Express, it's Rolf Harris. The Mail, it's Rolf Harris. Every single paper, without, without fail, has gone with uh, Rolf Harris. Friday is when the sentencing comes through, and you'll hear it first on LBC. I'm going to be back tomorrow morning with you at four. Wish you a very, very pleasant day. Actually, I didn't bother bringing you the weather this morning. I don't apologise. I don't need to. It looks OK. It doesn't look as though it's going to be too bad. And I'm sure that you will all cope with it. Take an umbrella just in case a little bit later on it, uh, it decides to rain a little bit. It might not. It might not. Who knows? So back tomorrow morning at four. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes. And then the remainder of the programme with the ads taken out and all the other little bits and pieces will be up later on today. Go to the LBC website to find out further details. Coming up next, it's the uh, morning news with Lisa Aziz. And don't forget, Nick and the team live from the cable car at seven.